Hey guys, uh, welcome to Ruin Hammer, uh, episode 27 of season two. G'day mate, how are you? G'day mate, I'm going good, I can't see you there. There you are. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here awesome. mate, I'm here. Fantastic, that's what I'm we here. need. How's yeah. things mate, you good? Mate, I am good, I am good. Uh, really excited for tonight. Um, I know there's a lot to talk about in the landscape of the rugby league world at the moment, but we, we will sure leave that will get tomorrow. That. We yep. assure you we will get into that tomorrow. Yep, absolutely. Um, absolutely. There's so much to talk about, as there always is. But tonight is just a little bit special, isn't it, mate? Mate, it is. Uh, g'day, Matty Loder. G'day, Stevie Williams. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, mate, yes, it is. Um, we might bring our special guest in right now, mate. Um, Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, tonight's guest, um, we're very, very excited. Um, his uh, Warriors royalty, uh, as far as most Warriors uh, fans are concerned. He's played 313 games and scored 35 tries over 16 seasons in the NRL, which included 222 games for the Bulldogs and 91 for our Vodafone Warriors. He's a two-time premiership winner, 28-game veteran of State of Origin, played 20 tests for the Kangaroo. He's a Warriors fan favourite during his time at the club and considered to be the best captain the club has ever had. We're pleased to be joined by Warrior 121 and New Zealand's favourite Australian, Steve Price. How are you, Pricey? G'day, mate. How are you going? Good, bud. How are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. That's good. Mate, thanks heaps for joining us. It's a real honour to have you on the show. Um, before we dive into your career, we just want to talk a little bit about State of Origin, being that you are a Queensland Origin legend. So what are your thoughts on this year's series, um, in particular the struggles of yours and my beloved Maroons? Yeah, mate, it's been, it's been really tough to watch. Um, yeah, the boys are trying really hard. Obviously had some key injuries um, both or before both both games and um, New South Wales are white hot. Uh, they played really well. Um, it's been even harder because we've had both games in, in Queensland yeah. and um, I think 70 points or something they've scored and we've scored six. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been pretty hard to watch. But, you know, in saying that, um, definitely know that Paul and all the coaches and, and all the players are, are ripping in and, doing their best. Um, you know, it's a very proud moment playing for Queensland. So, you know, they'll turn up again in game three and hopefully stop a, um, um, a whitewash. Are the, are the Maroons Fogs involved with uh, the Origin camp um, before games one and two this season? Like, do you guys have anything to do with it? Do you go there? Do you talk to the boys that are coming in or anything like that? I actually went to um, a luncheon that was before game one. And there was a number of the fogs at the luncheon. And um, obviously there's a the number of the boys who are a part of the, the coaching um, yeah. you know, staff. So Thursday, Nate Miles, um, Petro's generally around. Uh, Lockie's obviously a selector. Um, I think Billy Slater's a selector. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's a number of sort of the boys I played with that are either directly involved in the coaching staff or, um, or a selector. And then, um, yeah, what Paul does, you know, he could potentially bring, say the game was in Townsville or in Brisbane, he might bring players in during camp. Um, yep. I haven't spoken to anyone to say that they did, but that doesn't mean they haven't. So, um, Whilst on the topic of origin, mate, let's discuss your origin career, uh, which was a pretty illustrious one. 
you made your origin debut in game one of the 1998 series uh, at the Sydney Football Stadium, coming off the bench and scoring a try in a classic Queensland comeback, uh, winning 24-23 uh, the last game. game. So I think, yeah, Tony yeah. Carroll try, wasn't it? Yeah, um, tons of, yeah. How do you remember your first origin experience? Uh, well, I, I got a, I got a phone call. I didn't get picked in the team originally, but um, Thorny pulled out through injury, and I got a call late on the Sunday night to say that that had happened and that I'd been chosen uh, to come off the bench. So, um, mate, it was my dream. So I was so excited and got into camp, and you know, I'm with all these players that I've watched and you know thought so highly of, and yep. uh, Wayne sort of put the pressure on me straight away, I suppose. He said, you know, depending on how you play, mate, um, on Wednesday night, it'll be the first of many or the first or your first and last. Uh, yeah. and, uh, we had Jace Hetherington was in the team as well. It was at the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs, um, we were the only team that defended up and in defensively, whereas every yep. other team uh, had slide defence. Slide so defence, yeah. Wayne was... Um, drumming it into both Jason and I during that, but probably more so me. And then the other thing to add on top of that was um, I used to like to chase the kickers. So he um, he had this thing that he didn't like. He didn't like charge downs because he felt that that would give the opposition, you know, more possession rather than you getting the ball or, or something happening for you. So... Um, he knew that I liked doing that and, you know, at training, um, all I wanted to do was not get in trouble from Wayne because, you know, he's got this reputation of, of cranky. So um, he knew that and he just yelled at me um, just to keep me on my toes. Because <laughs> he knew how hard I was trying not to get into trouble. But, um, I was terrified um, and excited and all that and, you know, Kevin Wilders, um, Alan Langer and, yeah. and the they were all um, at their best, you know, like, um, like we got on the bus once and they sort of said, boys, if you've got any, you know, spare kettles or, or tea towels or anything in the room, Price is trying to get as much stuff as he can signed because this could be his last game. So <laughs> <laughs> help, help him out. That type of thing. So, yeah, it was... It was, um, it was really big, mate. Um, you know, Wayne, having said that, uh, I got on and the first sort of thing I did, I suppose, it was fifth tackle and um, I can't remember whether it was Joey or, or Laurie Daly in front of me and I knew it was fifth tackle and I knew what they did. So I um, thought I'll make a name for myself here and I'll shoot out, get a charge down and regather. <laughs> I shot out. And uh, he stepped me, and then I think he passed it to, might have been passed it to Laurie, and then Laurie passed it to Tim Brasher, and Tim Brasher scored. Uh, I didn't get back to the trial line, I was off. So, oh, wow, Origin was amazing. Well done. <laughs> it was good while it lasted, good, eh? Good to see, uh, good think, to see you listen to Wayne. I'm, I'm sure he was happy. That's I think half time, I was on my knees begging him to put me back on. <laughs> and uh, he did put me back on. I don't know why, but he did. And I, my, my goal for that game was hang around Alan Langer because stuff always happened around Alfie. Yep. And when I scored that try, he put a kick in and 
Adam McDougall sort of, I don't know how, but he, he missed it and I happened to be there and, and got a try. So that was pretty exciting. And then, as you say, um, yeah, tons of scored in the last sort of minute and yeah. kicked the goal to win. So, um, yeah, it was it was incredible, mate. I I look back on it. I, I did believe that um, I probably didn't deserve to be there only because of how starstruck I was. Yeah. You know, the players that I was playing with and obviously the players I was playing against. And um, and I probably played like that. And I didn't play um, to the – I didn't play the way of why I got chosen, put it that way. So I probably was like that until I actually got dropped from Origin. Yeah. And then and came back. What it was all about. And um, I just had to be me instead of going into camp and staying out because – you tried to fit in. Yeah. If you if you do if you go to bed early, you go to bed early. You yep. do what you do to prepare well. And that's something that Wayne um, was really big on was um, basically whatever you needed, you would get. And on Wednesday night, you can only blame yourself if you didn't perform. So yep. you prepare yourself to be the best player you can be for Queensland. Um and we went through a bit of a period where we weren't winning um, before we had that really good run. And Wayne sort of said that, um, you know, one of the biggest mistakes you could make as a Queensland player is that coming in and putting that maroon jersey on, you were 10 foot, uh, 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And yeah. you'd, you'd win because you're wearing a maroon jersey. Well, that was only the case because of what the players before us had done. You know, and you could probably assimilate this with the All Blacks, but yep. you, were the, you were the current custodian and you had to fulfil that jersey. So it wasn't the jersey that made the player, it was the player that made the jersey. Yep. Yeah. So um, he sort of, he, he also wound us back a little bit um, for you to think about your, de- your debut because we had, a, we had a pretty experienced team when Wayne coached us the second time, um, sort of early 2000s, when we weren't going that good. And um, he sort of said, when you're on debut, you don't know whether you're going to get another game. Um, That's it's right. very, very yeah. You're very excited, but you're nervous, and you'll do absolutely anything you can to play the best you can. You might make some errors, but you'll do it having a crack. Yep. And the more games you play... It's not that you get comfortable, but you know what's going to happen and you, and you don't take it for granted, but you, you don't, you're not on that nice edge. And so you always wanted us to feel as though every time you play for Queensland, I want, I want you to be feeling that excitement and enthusiasm and nervousness or, or yeah, more excitement rather than nervousness of your debut. Uh, so I thought that was a really good way to look at it because you know, people ask you about Origin and they say, you know, what's your best game? And I say, honestly, like I played in 28 games and I said, they're like your kids, right? You love them all yep. exactly yep. the same, but they're all very, very different. And yep. they all yep. gave you a different experience. So I had 28 of those. So I had 28 little baby Origin experiences. <laughs> and, um, and I loved every moment because they taught me a lot and we won and we lost and, you know, um, yeah, oh, I just wish you could 
um, come up with a simulator that could give everyday people the experience that you have as an Origin player, like, you know, two minutes, two minute bell goes and you're walking out of the tunnel of uh, at Suncorp and, you know, your family's in the crowd and, you know, the hair's on the back of your neck. I'd always run out second. Yep. I wasn't vice captain, but oh, I just wanted to, it'd be Lockie or, or um, Camo and they weren't real big guys. So I'd just, I'd cop, yeah. you know, the, the ferocity of the crowd, the energy of the crowd, as soon as those doors open and you would start to walk out, they'd go absolutely nuts. And it was yeah, something I'll never forget and something that I miss probably the most out of footy. Oh, is wow. Okay. Experience, um, of origin in Queensland. It's probably my most um, treasured sort of time, I suppose, because you knew your family were there and you just know as a kid when you're growing up watching it, how much it meant to so many people watching of those 17 guys and how they played on that particular night. Did it have a huge impact on your life? And to be then wearing a pair of boots of those people is quite yeah. humble. And, um, and it was a bit scary to start with, but then, you know, you look at it as something that you just go, wow, it's such a pleasure. And, and um, yeah, it was, it was amazing, mate. And, I know if you speak to any bloke who's played Origin for New South Wales or for Queensland, they'd probably tell you very similar. Is, is it a quicker game? Like, is the compared to a normal NRL game? Because they, they talk about it on, you know, the, the media and the, the rugby league shows about how quick the Origin game is. Is it a much quicker game, like less time to think, that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, this, is, this is only my take on it. It's the fastest and hardest game that you'll play, but it's also the easiest if, if yeah, because everyone out. knows their job. That's right. Well, everyone does their job. Yeah. So you stand yeah. beside Greg Inglis or Jonathan Thurston or Cameron Smith and you don't have to worry about, like, them. Yeah. You've got to worry about yourself and doing your job because you know they're going to do their job. Yeah. And you know, that's why one of my favourite teammates is Petro. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. We we're, were fighting over the one spot for uh, the start of our sort of origin career because Webby was the other front rower and it would either be him starting or me starting and one, the other one would be on the bench. Yep. And then when Webby retired, we both got to start and, um, yeah, it was awesome. I, I absolutely loved playing with Pet. Uh, we were roomies. Um, we'd take turns in making the cup of tea in camp <laughs> for each other. Uh, and, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really, really cool and, yeah, we're really close friends. Um, even now, it's 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 really good, and you know, I'm sure you've spoken to many um, former players that have those relationships with with yep. with um, And Pet was that at Origin level for sure. And um, yeah, it's always good to catch up with him, and he's one of the most gentlest humans, but was an absolute animal on the field. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> You wouldn't come up against a fiercer competitor and someone who was very uncomfortable to play against, but was very comfortable to play with, you know. Well, you touched on this a little bit before about, you know, the selection process and, and how difficult it is to make the team and everything. Well, you, you were a regular after you made your debut in 98 and you played the 99 series. Um, series is, both series is won by Queensland. Well, 99 was a draw, but we retained oh, yeah. 
yeah, based on the yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, yeah I know you're going to make yeah, sure I point yeah, that yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, <still>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and after the game losses in games one and two of that awful two thousand series, um, you didn't you you weren't back in the Origin Arena until game two of two thousand and two. So it must have been difficult to sit out that period and know that you had to sort of make your way back into that team. Yeah, it really was, mate. And you know, one of the things that I, one of the mistakes I made but it was a good lesson to learn um, was I, I wasn't playing good footy in 2000. I had a knee injury and when I come back, there was, a, I had issues with it. Um, it's not an excuse, but I had issues with it. It wasn't until 2001 I was able to sort of get a bit more consistent, but I had a real good look at myself and how I was going. And when I sort of made Queensland and I played for Australia in 98, I sort of thought, I don't know why, but I thought I had to be someone else. You know, and I, like I got to play, I said, some of the greatest players we've had. Um, and I sound like Darren Lockyer, but I'll never be Darren Lockyer. <laughs> and I thought I had to be this superstar because I was in these teams. Yeah. And uh, I went away with, I went, I went away from what worked for me. And the reason why I got chosen in those, those teams was because of me and what I did. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I went away from that. And um, I sort of woke up one day and, you know, worked out that all the hard work that I put in and all the reasons why I was able to achieve certain things that I did was because of the hard work I was putting in and the, the way I was trying to improve myself. And then all of a sudden I was trying to do stuff that I don't do and it wasn't working. And we weren't going, we didn't have a very good season at the Bulldogs in 2000. Um, 99, we... we um, we got beaten in the last minute or two by Melbourne in the grand final qualifier for, you know, them to go through. We were leading and, and we got beaten in the last minute. I think Ricky put a kick in and Matty Guy picked it up and ran the length or something. And then Melbourne went on and won it. 2000, we had a pretty bad year. And then 2001, we bounced back. And 2001, <coughs> Origin, Queensland went in a very different direction. I went for a lot of the young guys. Carl Webb and Dane Carlaw and you know all of those sort of younger guys um, and they had success. Um, we're in those sort of emerging camps and you know Wayne was a coach and he knew how bad I wanted to play for Queensland again um, and he just told me straight up, he goes, you're not going to be in game one. He goes, we stick loyal to the yep. guys who did the job um, a year before but he said what you need to do is to be playing the footy so that if it doesn't go the way we want it to, then, you know, you, you're putting your hand up. So it was really good advice from Wayne. And um, I really worked hard, not just for that reason, but the Bulldogs, we needed to bounce back as well. And, um, you know, we, we had a pretty good season, start of 2001 and, and for the whole of 2001. Um, so... 2002, you know, it was another good season from the club. Obviously an amazing season. We won 17 in a row and then had salary cap. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, game one in 2002, we Joey Johns tore us apart with his kicking game. Uh, game two, I was called into the team and Wayne just said, I, I don't care how many runs you do. He said, but I want you to be all over Andrew Johns like a rash. Whenever he thinks about going to kick it, I want you to be 
pretty much on top of him. He wasn't telling oh, so me to charge. Oh, he wasn't telling me to charge it down, but he was telling me to pressure him. And uh, and I, I I absolutely loved the challenge of playing Joey um, for that reason because he was such a magnificent player and such an amazing kicker. Like he revolutionised kicking both probably in league and rugby. Yeah, you know, you started seeing even in the All Blacks, you know, Dan Carter was changing how he was kicking, and you know, Johnny Wilkinson and all those sorts of guys all watched Joey and um, banana kicks and all sorts of different kicks that Joey was doing. So for me, who liked the pressure kickers, Joey was Mount Everest. You know, he was he was a man, and and he'd get quite angry when when you pressured him. And I just wouldn't say anything. And the more he got angrier, the more I knew. Um, <laughs> so I was just going to keep doing it. because. Uh, uh, so game two, that was my job. And and I did do a few runs, but um, we were able to win that game um, of 2002. And uh, that was a drawn one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah drawn series. Yeah. Because of 2001. So... Um, it was great to get back there. When I got back there, I was myself and I wanted to prove to myself that I deserved to be in that arena. Um, yeah. The previous, I think I had five games um, before that second stint and I was an absolute extra. Yep. You know, we were playing with 16, if I'm being honest. I, I was in awe of the players I was playing with. I was in awe of the players I was playing against. I was trying to be someone else. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really disappointing, but it was a great lesson to learn and a harsh one to learn, you know, um, to get that jersey taken away from me really, really hurt. And my Australian jersey did as well. Um, yeah. I I didn't get picked for Australia until I think it was 2005, three or five. Mm. What have been three? Yeah, yeah. And I was there until five and we had that big loss to New Zealand, which I was at the Warriors at the time and the Kiwis beat us 24-0 in, in England. Yep. And um, we were... Good times, happy. good times. Yeah, whole <laughs> it was quite dropped there. And then I didn't get back in the Aussie side again until 07, um, yeah. which again was um, a real opportunity for me to prove to myself that, you know, I deserved to be in that, that sort of arena as well, which uh, was quite hard because... I was playing a lot of my teammates at the Warriors, yeah. um, you know, for Australia. Yeah. Spe- speaking um, of the Warriors, well, you, yeah. your origin, despite relocating to the Warriors, your origin career continues to blossom, which goes against the, the usual argument. And, and yeah. you're an integral part of the beginning of a Queensland dynasty uh, from 2006 to 2009. Um, what was it like to be part of that team and what was Big Mal's secret, and how did he turn the corner from those from those previous years where the Blues had dominated us? Yeah, one of the reasons why I well, not yeah, there's many many reasons or many little pieces of why I went to the Warriors, but one of them was folks he wanted me to retire from wet footy, oh, um, and the Warriors were really keen for me to keep playing wet footy, so I thought going to New Zealand, I can still play Origin, I can still play for Australia from playing well enough, which I, I want to be. And I, I, I sort of felt that um, if I was still playing in the NRL and I'd retired from footy, I, I felt as though that would 
be have an impact on my club footy. So to have the support of the Warriors from that perspective was really exciting from, from my perspective. And um, I suppose when Mal took over, you know, as coach, what he did really well was he surrounded himself with people um, that were probably uh, strengths for his weaknesses and his strengths, you know, a uh, very good communicator can, can create an amazing environment. Um, and then he had the tacticians and the other people within that coaching group, the experience. Um, and then, you know, Osa Os- 06, we lost game one um, by one point. Yeah. Great Finch kicked a field goal. Um, the media were all over us with regards to Dad's army. There was Petro, myself, and Lockie, they were telling us they were too old. And uh, Mel called us in before game two and sort of said, if we don't win this game, it'll be your last origin to the three of us. So um, the young boys didn't know that. Like, I say young boys, it'll be funny because you'll... But Cameron Smith, the Greg Inglises, yeah, the yeah, Slaters, yeah. the Jonathan Thurston's had no idea. Um, we absolutely wiped the floor of New South Wales in game two um, with a really aggressive... Um, technique or technical technique defensively. Mm-hmm. Kevin Gilmeister did some really, really great work with, with all of us. Um, and our target area was sort of your lower belly to sort of lower ribs. Yep. Um, that was where our target area was. And we had some really good technical defenders like Dallas Johnson, Nate Miles, you know, who could really whack. Um, and we're very, very good technically. Um, playing against Willie Mason, Marco Mealy, guys who, who sort of tore us apart in the first game through offloads. Well, in game two, we ripped into them and drove them backwards, picking them up, driving them backwards, and they'd flick it out the back, and we, we actually got a lot of ball from that. Yep. They didn't like it at all. So 36-6, we won the game two. Uh, we go down to Melbourne, and sort of nothing went our way, but you know, we, we won. Um, and the thing I love about that group is they're hugely humble. Uh, some of them are going to be known as one of, you know, some of our greatest players we've ever had in the game. But um, I suppose my test is every time my kids or my wife would see those boys, Cameron, you know, Billy, Jono, you know, Lockie, Petro, whoever, they, they always remember, uh, they always remember the kids. They always say, you know, like, I, I just love that about those boys, you know. Yeah, and we, yeah. we, we had success. We're a really tight group and we had a lot of fun, um, both playing footy and away from footy. And that's something that Mal was very big on. Um, and I, I call him a bit of a master in being able to, you know, if you're looking at ingredients, he he's the master chef, and he did it for us. Well, he's doing it for Australia as well. Like Australia, yeah. struggling a little bit with the whole Queensland New South Wales thing, and Mal, who is king of Queensland, goes in and and brings it all together. You know, he's very uh, history uh, conscious. Yep, really wants that to be a huge part of um, uh, your knowledge 
And um, he did that very well for Queensland and he's also done that very well for Australia. You, um, you yourself, you're fortunate to play with some of the greats of origin. Um, Alfie Langer, Kevin Walters, uh, Lockie Thurston, Shane Webke, Talis, you spoke about Billy and, and Cam Smith and, of course, Big Petro. Who was that one player that you played alongside that epitomised what origin was for you? Oh, you know what? And, like, I don't want this to sound corny, but I'll probably say it's Tatey. Yep. You know, like, you look at his origin career and he... And he's he not sitting next to you, is he? No, he's not. He's not <laughs> uh, and, I, and I don't want him to hear this. Really, but, uh, oh, he will. We'll, we'll edit it out, don't worry. He will. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're talking about who epitomised it, I mean, he had... Um, four knee reconstructions. Um, he's one of the most competitive, fiercest competitors I've ever met, and I've known him since he's been since he's three years old. So yep. I've known him for a while, and um, mate, he every time he played for Queensland, he was one of the best players on the field. Um, and he was out of position, like he was playing on the yeah. wing, and he was genuine centre. But it didn't bother him. You know, he came with an attitude. His preparation was spot on. Um, the impact he had on the wider group was outstanding. And, you know, if he said something, he didn't say a lot, but if he said something, everyone would listen. And his actions spoke more than what his actual words. But, um, yeah, I'd probably say Brenos. Um Oh, I really loved playing with Gary Larson uh, oh, early yeah. on. Yeah. Um, I roomed with him and I and I sort of trained with him when we did weights and that type of thing. And he's the ultimate professional. And then um, Petro, yeah. um, you know, we just get on really well and very similar sort of guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the other boys, you know, Jono and Cam and outstanding players and blokes but those those three would probably are the standouts um my the guy i idolized as a kid was bobby linda and i wanted to be bobby linda because um he was never the biggest name in the team but he was a guy that you could sort of see that all the other players players enjoyed playing beside um he absolutely played out of his skin every time he played for queensland and he wasn't dirty. Um, he was fair. And, you know, he'd nearly get me in the match every time he played just because of the effort he'd put in. Yep. Um, so I, I, um, I, worked for, I worked at Big Rooster in Toowoomba as a 15-year-old. And Bobby Linda came in at Christmas one year. I think I was 15. And uh, I just couldn't believe it, like Bob Linda. And uh, he ordered one large chips and a whole chicken. And he walked out with three large tips and three old chickens. <laughs> I raced out. Mum was always big on, if you do idolise someone and you get the opportunity to meet them, make sure you do because you want to make sure that, you know, your thoughts, yep. you know, matches up with how they actually are. And I've got to say, he was outstanding. Like, he didn't have to give me the time of day, but I've run out of my gumboots Um I'm smelling like raw chicken in an apron, like absolutely. <laughs> but introduced myself and, and he gave me five minutes of his time. And, and from that day on, I, I, 
I really wanted to continue to try and be a rugby league player. And yep. I saw Bobby only two weeks ago at a men of league lunch in Toowoomba. And I told that oh, yeah. same story. And uh, he was blown away to sort of think that, you know, and he's been told a number of stories similar. And yeah. he said, it just blows your mind to know how much of an impact you can have on young people. Yep. Uh, and he said, it's, it's very humbling, but it's good that, you know, you're doing the right thing to be able to influence people to go on and, you know, aspire to, to be the best they can in something that they, they want to do. So Absolutely, uh, yeah. one of the reasons why, you know, I always go back to Toowoomba every year when I was playing to my junior club to, yep. um, I suppose, be that visual that it is possible no matter where you're from, no matter what ability you got, that you can make it if you dream and work hard enough. Um, you know, dreams do come true. So, um, yeah, I love going home to the school I went to, to the club I played for. They're back in the comp now. They went out for a couple of years. But, um, you know, we've had a lot of kids come through that club. Michael Witt, mm-hmm. his brother Stephen, Jamin Lowe, Ben Lowe, Robbie O'Davis, Kurt Wrigley. We've had a whole heap, um, you know, Stephen Witt come through uh, that club and sort of died for a couple of years and they've just come back into to the Toowoomba comp in Toowoomba, which is really good to see. Yeah. Just just quietly, I'm having a bit of a Bob Linder moment at the, right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Just... In the mail, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, you, just, just on your, to wrap up your origin career, you played your last game in 2009. Unfortunately, you got knocked out in a fairly spiteful end to that game there. Um, how do you look back on your origin career, though, as a whole in, in the Queensland jersey? Yeah, mate. That's the one thing people remember about my origin career, and it's probably the most disappointing uh, 20 seconds of my origin career. Uh, it's never the way I've ever played the game. I think it's the only fight I've ever had on a field. Um, it was the last minute of the game. Mm. Uh all I can remember is I think the only reason why I did what I did was because um, I suppose during my career, I was sort of sick of turning the other cheek. I, I wasn't someone, I, I wasn't a fighter. Probably proved that in that, <laughs> that 20 seconds. But, you know, that wasn't my, that wasn't my go. Um, I was always questioned when I was a kid of not being tough enough and sort of being too nice. And everyone sort of around Toowoomba always felt that I probably wouldn't make it because of that. Um, I prided myself on being myself and making it because of what I did and who I was. And that's my last moment in origin was in a fight, which um, we won the first two games of 09 and we're going for the clean sweep and I'd never played in a clean, so, um, you know, whitewash. And, um, we didn't prepare very well as a group. There's a few of the boys who, um, yeah, weren't, weren't at their best preparation-wise. Petro didn't play that game. Um, I was a little bit crook in the, you know, leading up to it. So we, we just didn't have a real good sort of preparation and we didn't play very well. Um, and I didn't fight because it was the last minute. I didn't even really realise it was the last minute. I probably would have definitely turned my cheek the other way, you know, knowing that. But um, if anything come out of it, I suppose 
it woke a few of our players up in that you can't take things for granted. Yep. Uh, that it is a privilege to play for Queensland. And um, I suppose me, the one getting knocked out and the boys who didn't prepare as well um, weren't very happy with what happened to one of their teammates and probably felt a little bit bad about it. Yep. And um, it really helped them, I suppose, um, make sure that something like that didn't happen again. So, um, yeah, when you look at it now, it's probably, uh, you know, you won't ever see it again because there's no fighting. No. Let alone in state of origin. So, it's now, isn't it? I think I'm one of the only to be absolutely knocked out cold in a fight in origin. Um, Brett White has got a big name out of it, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Could have gone on there and, you know, a boxing career from it. Um, there was probably plenty wanting to um, to get him in the his corner. But, uh, yeah, again, learn a lot from it, mate. Um, you know, the whole reason why I didn't fight is because I don't think on a footy field it proves anything. I think you can prove your toughness in so many other ways. Yeah. Um, and if you want to box, if you want to fight, go and be a boxer, you know, or a UFC fighter. Um, but anyway, it happened. It's part of my story. Um, it was 60 seconds of uh, 28 games, and it's one of the things that comes up the most uh, at the end of my career, which I suppose my first game, I scored a try in my last game. Um, I got carried off on a, on a, a medicap. And I woke up to Kevin Rudd. So um, <laughs> I think the other thing too that really hits home, I suppose, is um, seeing the footage of your family and how they reacted. You sort of don't realise how much impact it, ha it has <coughs> on your family. Um, and sort of seeing the, the face of your mum and your, and your wife and your kids. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Other family members are at home wondering whether you're okay. You know, is um, is uh, is is pretty scary. So, uh, yeah, I suppose you know through your actions, you learn by mistakes and successes, um, or failures and successes, and that's a failure for me. Um, but I stuck up for myself. You had that split second. You know, Brett punched me in the face, and I asked him why he punched me in the face. And he said, because I need him in the head. And I said, no, I don't think I did. And he said, you did. And then he swung again. And I had that moment to think, do you, do you swing or not? Yeah. that moment, I thought I'm going to stick up for myself. So I did. And yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too long after I was sleeping. So, Well, mate, you definitely didn't lose any fans over that. That's no, for sure. not at all. Yeah. If anything, he did. Um, you know, he just yeah. looked like an absolute tool. And I'm, I'm speaking from a New South Wales but I... I had mixed emotions that night. It was, it was the best part about it, if I've got to say anything, was two blokes were let to go at it. Yeah. And that doesn't happen or it didn't happen. You know, there'd always be yeah, always yeah, yeah. King or other things. So I think it was because New South Wales were going to score a try and we were, we were just standing there and we were just, you know, exchanging... Things and and I suppose if the guy I feel most sorry for is Trent Woodhouse. Um, well, he got sent off and 
you know, you can look at the footage and say, well, did Trent knock me out? Did Brett knock me out? Did a combination of both. Was it the ground, me hitting the ground? The whole lot wasn't good. Yeah. But, um, you know, Trent was probably trying to save me, <laughs> if anything, and he got sent off. Uh, the one that I was disappointed in, and, and there's been, you know, um, s- stories about Justin Poor. I, I, I just didn't think that was good. I, I was not aware of what was going on. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Justin picked me up and dropped me, and he yeah. saw in a paper report a year or so ago that he said that I was talking shit to him. Um, but, mate, I was, I was out cold until I woke up in the dressing room. So if I was talking, I wasn't conscious talking. I was subconsciously talking. Um, and the trainers will verify that. But, yeah, I mean, there's a whole heap of things that happen in the heat of the moment and, and I don't begrudge him. I just, I've, I've heard that he's, he's not that type of person and I, I, I would probably agree that he's probably not that person um, and he's probably copped a bit of rubbish over the years for it. But, yeah, I mean, that, like after when I saw it, I, I was pretty disappointed with it, but yep. um, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I, I was the one who was playing the most. I had a decision to make and I made, you know, you'd look back and say I made the wrong decision. That's not Justin Poor's fault. That's not Trent Waterhouse's fault yeah. or Brett White's fault. Um, and, and I own that, you know, but it's probably a low light of my career only because that wasn't the way I played footy. Yeah. Uh, not because I got knocked out. Yeah. Um, Plenty of blokes get knocked out in heaps of ways. Mate, I was knocked out heaps in footy, but it just wasn't me. And that's what I'm most disappointed about. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's hopefully a lesson that a whole heap of kids will learn. I don't know what's worse, getting knocked out or waking up to see Kevin Rudd. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, just we'll just before we wrap, sorry, yeah. sorry, just before we wrap up Origin, I'll always remember that epic run you made down the sideline in game three of 2003. I think you might have got a charge down then and you got dragged down literally just inches away from the short of the line. line. Yeah. That, that was unreal because <laughs> I was that actually game. happened. That was um when the stadium had just been oh, it was either brand new or or it had just been redone, and it was a real sandy sand pit, yeah. uh, field. And I think Paulie Bowman might have done his knee, and someone else got injured pretty bad on that field. Anyway, I did. I picked up a loose ball, and I think I palmed palm wingy off, and someone else. I think as I palmed, might have been wingy or one of the boys. I was in midair, so then when I hit the ground, I'm going faster than what my feet were. <laughs> And so I'm, 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 I'm stumbling and the try line's coming up and I end up losing my feet and yep. boom, boom, and basically my nose is touching the try line. But <laughs> I don't get there. And everyone oh. says it was the greatest try never scored. Never scored. It, it definitely yep. was. It was. It was unreal. And I'll just be there. We go, 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 go. Just mm-hmm. short. Oh, agonizing. <laughs> you know, tripped over my own big toe. <laughs> uh, we're going to head back. We're going to head go back now to where it all started for you. But before we do, there's a lot of questions coming through on the live feed. Just keep those questions coming through, guys, because we'll ask Steve at the end of um, 
the questions that Rob and I've got for him. Uh, so yeah, just keep uh, scrolling, uh, loading them up there and I'll, I'll get to them late, a bit later on. Um, mate, let's go back to where it all began. You were born in Dalby and you grew up in... Dalby. Yep, Dalby. 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 Yeah, sorry. And you grew up in Toowoomba. Yeah. Um, it was the Newtown, Newtown Lions that you played with? And, yeah, I did, yeah. And you mentioned before, they, they went through a bit of a lean period, but I heard a story that you're the one that got them back up and running again recently. Oh, no, I didn't. Well, there's um, there's a uh, sort of a committee or a group of people who, um, former players and and partners and, and you know, probably kids of parents who are involved in the club um, who are now adults who really wanted to get the club up and going again. And so they just gave me a call and said, you know, would you jump on board with us? So I definitely haven't done any of the work that they've done, they've been doing all of the, you know, all of the really hard lifting. Um, and I've tried to do as much as I could from afar, if I can sort of say. They've asked me to be the ambassador. So um, we had um, a season launch at the start of this year. I went up up to Toowoomba for that and um, and I had a sign-on day. I went out, went out to that. And, yeah, it's really good to see the club going again, mate. Um, yeah. It's really sad when the club wasn't there. As I said, just a few names off the top of the top of the head before, you know, one of the people asked me about the greatest coaches coach that I've ever had. And I'd probably say there's three or four of them, and they're all probably my junior coaches. And the reason why I say those guys rather than Wayne Bennett or Steve Folks or Chris Anderson or Mal Meninga is because they're so um, influential. As building you as a young man, yep. Um, the guys like Bill Pollard and Arthur Wrigley and Greg Platts and those sort of guys are guys that I'll never ever forget and gave me so much. Um, we all had the same, you know, interest, which is rugby league, but they knew that to be a good young man is most important, and so they trained they they trained all of those traits into us, like you know, ethics and being ethical and humble and, and disciplined and, you know, a hard worker and, and all of that type of thing through our football. Um, and there's a whole heap of guys that sort of came through, the Doonan brothers, who Ian's my yeah. age. Yeah. Played, um, NRL, Andrew um, played NRL as well, um, who Ian was in my team. Um, we had a whole heap that come through sort of all at the same time. And I was, I truly believe it's a big, big heads up to the coaches that you have at a young age. They can really have a huge impact on you. And everyone who's listening will be able to know in their own life how much of an impact. And the thing I love about it the most is it's not necessarily to be a great NRL player. It was just to be a good person. Yeah. And, and to be a good citizen in the community. And, um, and that's something that I'll, you know, when I got enough Origin jerseys, I gave those guys a jersey each because of how much of an impact that had on my life and the person I became, um, you know, and, and all of my mates. Like, I was really proud to get into the NRL when I got there and I felt as though I was playing for all the boys that I grew up with because yep. we all wanted to be there and we'd all play in the backyard and we all had that same dream. But unfortunately, we all couldn't be there. And... Um, and I sort of felt as though that as well, that those guys would be sitting back and 
you know, feeling pretty good about themselves that they had such an impact on a young man to know that, you know, they played a part, played a role. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, um, I, I, so I was born in Dalby. My, my mum and dad had a trailer building business, Price's Trailer Sales. Uh, we went bankrupt in um, 1980, 1981. I was five or six. Um, we moved from Dalby to, to Brisbane. We moved to Acacia Ridge. Mum and dad split up. And then mum met my now stepfather, Gary, and we moved to Toowoomba um, in about 83. And uh, a guy at school, I was playing soccer before then, I'm playing all sorts of sports, but a guy at school said, why don't you come and play league? And I went along to train with him. And um, whilst he was in my, my, my year at school, he was actually a year older than me. So I couldn't actually play in his team. Oh. And uh, I was almost not going to do it. And mum said, why don't you just go and meet the guys who are your age and see how you go. And so I went over there and, yeah, it was amazing. Like, we're all still really good mates these days. Ian was one of them, Ian Dunerman. And we had a really successful sort of junior period with some great coaches. And and then obviously schoolboy and um, all the rep sides in the juniors. Darling Downs, Tournament Southwest is a really strong rugby league area. So, again, had really good coaches and played with, like, you know, Webby, Shane Webke's my age. He's from Allera. Um, played Darling Downs schoolboys with him under 12s. Um, he was on the bench and he was exactly um, the way he was in the NRL. He was the same. He was rough and tumble and just gave absolutely everything. And uh, he just worked out, you know, um, how important rugby league was to him as he got older and um, went on and had a magnificent career. So Wayne, uh, our under-18s coach at Newtown, Graham Tucker, was really good friends with Wayne Bennett. And he asked Wayne to come and watch me play in our grand final. And uh, so he came up and watched, and we played Waddles, who Shane Webke played for. And um, it went into overtime, and Waddles won in overtime. And Wayne left that game wanting to sign Shane Webke instead of Steve Price. Uh, Webby always says, you know, that he made the right choice. Uh, he'd always toss it up, Webby, when we'd be in Origin Care. Oh, you know, you made the right choice, Wayne. And Wayne would always say, oh, yeah, I'm still still wondering whether I have shame. And, uh, Wayne's take on it, apparently, is that he always felt that I was going to get to Sydney somehow, but Shane wouldn't. And he wanted to, to give a kid like Shane an opportunity that he thought he wouldn't have had. And um, yeah, what a what a great opportunity! Shane made the most of it and was one of my biggest rivals, but also you know a great teammate as well. And really proud of him to have achieved what he achieved from the same area. We we had heard that um, that Wayne yeah. Bennett story. We just didn't know if it was true or not. So uh, well, Webby probably told you. He <laughs> to. I remember it came out around the time of your Origin debut because they said this time Wayne was able to pick both of you in the team. I just remember right. being in the Courier Mail or something like that. Yeah. 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 How, how did your move to the Bulldogs come about? Um, and how did you find the change moving down to Sydney? Yeah. So um, I was on scholarship with the Gold Coast Seagulls. Oh, uh, really? 1990. Yeah, 1990. You were with Campo. Well, you was Campo there then? Campo was there. Uh, I went down and trained a couple of times. I was still at school in Toowoomba and I, 
go down, Ian Dunaman, myself, um, Russell Buzzy, and there was about three or four of us. Danny Goddard. That we um, we'd go down and and yeah, Jimmy Goddard was there, Campo, Craig Weston. Um, yeah, remember all those guys. Yeah, all those sort of guys were all there. Um, and I was supposed to go down at the end of 91 to the Seagulls and play in the 21s. Yeah. Um, 91 come around and they sort of felt as though I was a bit young, so said, stay up in Toowoomba. Um, I wanted to be a policeman when I was a kid and I didn't get the TE score at the time uh, to go into the police academy because you had to do law as part yeah, of your yeah. police academy. So I decided to go back to school, repeat, try and get better marks. Um, and by doing that, we had a really good season footy-wise and uh, went to the Queensland uh, trials. Uh, they were at Southport and Peter Moore was there and I must have done something good on the day. Um, he rang my mum and asked whether he could talk to me. I made the Queensland team. He wanted to talk to me in Perth. Got over to Perth, heard that Peter Moore wanted to talk to me, my mum told me, and uh, he didn't say a word to me the whole tournament. And I thought, this guy's full of shit. Like, he doesn't say a word to me. And we had, like, um, guys like Anthony Fowler, Matty Singh, um, Brad Thorne. We had all those guys in our team, in our Queensland team. And um, he spoke to Thorny, he spoke to Matty Singh, he spoke to all these guys. At his hotel, never spoke to me. Oh, and on the last day, he sort of ran into me and he sort of said, oh, good day, Steve. He goes, mate, you're not going to make the Australian team. Don't get upset about that. You know, he said, uh, it's nothing you've done wrong. I was on the bench for Queensland, so I was probably never going to make the Aussie team anyway. And he just sort of said, keep doing what you're doing and, you know, things will work out for you. And sort of thought, oh, okay, that's, that's it. <laughs> that's all he wanted to say to me. <laughs> But um, we then went on to the Commonwealth Bank Cup final. Um, he organised tickets through the Seagulls. He had friends at the Seagulls for my mum. We had a semi-final. Uh, we had a Queensland final at Seagulls. Um, I think we played Palm Beach, Corumban. Yeah. Oh, no, we played – actually, we played Wendell. We played Mackay, St. Pat's. We played Palm Beach the year before. We played um, St. Patrick's Mackay, and they had uh, Wendell Saylor and Dennis Scott um, in their team. And he organised for my mum to go to the game, but through the Seagulls, and the Seagulls didn't know that the tickets were my mum, and I was on scholarship with the Seagulls, but Bullfrog was trying to look good, my mum, and he sent flowers to mum almost daily. Because um, he had this theory, if you got the mum, you got the kid. Yep. And, uh, yeah, mum just started saying, I think you should go to the Bulldogs. And so you do what your mum says. And crazily, I think Bullfrog might have had a bit to do with this, but in, 20, in, in 1992, um, Seagulls and the Broncos didn't have under-21s in the New South Wales Rugby League comp. Ah, okay. That's how I got out of my scholarship because I was supposed to go and play under 21s. Yep. Uh, he basically sent me a letter and all I had to do was sign it to get me out of my scholarship and then sign with the Bulldogs. Um, the Roosters and the Steelers were interested and both of those I'd have to go and do like a trial and that type of thing. Before I got wind of it and he said, if you get injured in those trials, 
then our contract will be null and void. So mum just said, well, you've got a contract. Go to the Bulldogs. Yeah. Went to the Bulldogs. Um, basically, mum wanted to, she, she didn't want me to live with other players. She wanted me to live in a family. So Peter organised a lady who was, um, she was a single lady about mum's age and she lived near the club and um, she was just in a two-bedroom unit and he asked her, her name was Colleen Prentice, if she'd take me as a boarder. And um, she said, yep. And I flew in. Darren Smith picked me up. I'd never met Darren Smith. But mum said, if there's no one there to pick him up, he's getting on the plane and going home. <laughs> Peter said, Darren Smith. And Smithy wore a headgear, so I never knew what he really looked like. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, and we're the only ones left. And I'm going, are you Darren Smith? He goes, you Steve Price. Yeah. Process of elimination, yeah. <laughs> he dropped me off at Colleen's and Colleen thought I was going to have a look to see whether I liked it. Oh. And I thought I was going to have a look to see whether I liked it. But Smithy didn't get the uh, the update communication on that. He's just basically, oh, this is Colleen, Steve. This, you know, He said, all right, guys, I'm going to leave you to it. I'll see you at training tomorrow, Steve. And <laughs> left me there. <laughs> so I uh, stayed with Colleen for two years. Yep. And it certainly did help. Um, she cooked for me and um, made me feel as welcome as I could. Um, stayed out of trouble. I uh, found it really hard, homesick-wise. Uh, I actually went to Peter once and said, I'm really homesick, I want to go home. And he goes, when you first came to the club, you said to me, one thing, what did you say? And I said, I don't want to go home, a loser. What I meant by that, I don't want to go home not having given it my best shot. Yep. It wasn't good enough, I could handle that. But if I went home not having a real crack, I didn't want to be one of those guys sitting in the pub going, oh, I used to bash him and I was yeah. so much better than him. So he sort of said to me, I want you to go home. And he said, I'll let you go, but I want you to go home and I want you to have a think about it and then let me know on Monday what, you, what your answer is. So I went home and uh, spoke to all the boys and I wanted to be back hanging out with them and they all wanted to be down where I was and I sort of pulled my head in. I didn't like Sydney and I just felt as though, you know, Pete always said, if your career lasts 10 years, that's a long time yeah, in rugby yeah. league and it's not really that much out of your life. So you can live wherever you want if you have a 10-year career. Yeah. Uh, it's not that much out of your life. So rip in and Dean Pay was at the club at the same time and he actually went home to Dubbo. He got really homesick. So he had a really good talk to me and another guy called Mark Brockenshire. Yeah, oh, also, yeah. yeah Brocky also had a really good talk to me and that helped and um, I completely changed my attitude about Sydney and completely changed my attitude um, just about where I was at. I was in a very privileged position with a real opportunity to make, you know, dreams come true. So uh, it was a real turner for me. Um, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife. Yep. She was still in Brizzy. So I certainly added to the uh, Telstra profit. Yeah. At the time. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much every night we'd do the old you hang up, no, you hang up, and then she'd hang up. And go back and say, What'd you hang up for? <laughs> so it'd be different now. You, you would have been able to FaceTime her. But yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So that was all those things made it hard. You're probably living hard. in, but where you're living too is probably you're living in a shit part of Sydney too. Like, Belmore. 
man, mate. <laughs> Trust me. That's the hood, man. Oh, no. Where did, uh, uh, did you always live around that area when you played at the Dogs or did you? Yeah, you I did um, yeah. up until the last probably three years. Um, we bought a block of land out of Picton and um, we built out there. So that was going to be my forever house. Yeah. Uh, we did that in 2002. And in 2004, end of 2004, we moved to New Zealand. So yeah. <laughs> pretty much there, 18 months. But I really enjoyed living out there. Um, but also, you know, did really enjoy living. We lived in Reesby, Belmore, Dulwich Hill, Bankstown, um, Kirawee, Liverpool. Uh, we sort of lived all around. Um, really enjoyed it. That was all very different times of our life. Yeah. Uh, when Joe moved, first moved down, you know, we were battling. I wasn't on much money. She wasn't on much money. So we were, you know, scraping. And we had our first child. And we had our second child and third child. And, you know, um, footy sort of started to get better and better and better. And, yeah, it was always great being in the area. Um, very passionate fans of Bulldogs fans. I'm a, uh, I'm a Rigsby uh, person myself. I actually lived in Panania, so close yes. enough to Rigsby. But I was the um, I was the president of the Rigsby Heights Footy Club for about seven years. Uh, oh. 2000s, yeah, so had a big affinity with the uh, Bulldogs. Well, our house in Rigsby was 30 Turvey Street. Tur oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> when we bought the house, I was just going, oh, I can't believe this. Yeah. Playing for the Bulldogs and I live in Turvey Street. Yeah. Street, yeah. <laughs> I, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, good areas. They are. It is a good area, and you're right. It is. It's a heartland of rugby league, and their their fans are really passionate. Really passionate. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, another another childhood dream was about to come true in 1994. I'm guessing, and you make your first grade debut, uh, round 14 at Belmore against the Balmain Tigers. What do you remember about the the lead up to your first grade debut? So, mate, back then um, you'd play uh, under 21s or reserve grade. And then if everything was going good and you were playing well, Gary Hughes would come and give you a jersey. So then you're off and you'd sit in the bench for first grade. Yep. So there'd be 10 or so guys sitting on the bench for first grade. Two were interchanges and then there'd be another two that would just go on once and stay on. And so we'd have our own bench lotto because there'd be 10 of us sitting there. We'd all put in five bucks each and whoever actually got to go on um, that's sort of how it was, yep. was that you didn't know you were going to be playing. Uh, depending on what happened in the game would depend on whether you got a game or not. And so my debut, I cannot remember any of that debut. I actually thought my debut was against Manly. Oh, really? <laughs> so when, when it said that my debut was against Balmain, um, I've just gone, really? Well, I can't remember that. I remember playing Balmain. <laughs> In early in my career, but I can't remember my debut. So it would have been one of those times Billy Johnson would have been on the mic and he would have just turned around and said, Pricey, you're on. And I would have been sitting there not listening because I wouldn't have thought I was going to get a run. Yeah. He would have said it again and then he would have just been out there and, and into it. Wow. Um, you played five games that season um, and then you find yourself included on the bench for the 94 grand final against Canberra. Um, we've spoken to many of our guests uh, about their first grand final experience. Despite the result, how do you remember the build-up to that, that first grand final? Yeah, well, again, 
uh, I was on the bench. We got beaten, I think, the week before in reserve grade or two weeks before. And so Chris kept us around just in case he wanted to use us. So we didn't go to the grand final breakfast. I'm talking about the extended bench. Yep. So the two guys did, which I think was Darren Smith and might have been Mark Brockenshaw or Mitch Newton might have been. Mm. Darren Smith and Mitch Newton, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, those two guys went to the breakfast with uh, the 13, but the others didn't. So all the media were there and we were pretty much just playing kick tennis in the background. Like we were absolute extras that whole week. And so, you know, what had happened, Darren Smith had signed with the Broncos and Chris wasn't, I don't think, too happy with that. So, you know, obviously the game went the way it did off the kickoff mm. and um, we don't know if 10 minutes to go or 15 minutes to go. Like I said before, Billy's turned around and said, Pricey, you're on. And I've just, I didn't actually hear that because I'm just going, he's not going to say my name. He yelled it again and I was up and out and racing around like a mad, mad chook on the, uh, on the field. And I, I think I actually did the lap of honour with Canberra. I was so excited, like the family were there. I'm just going, this is crazy, like, you know. So I did the lap of honour with Canberra and I got back um, in the dressing room and everyone's really upset and and down. And I'm just, I'm I'm, like, I'm jumping out of my skin. I'm going, this is the best thing ever. And you look in a bar and he's like crying and looking at all the boys, they're all so down. I'm going, what's going on here? And Bullfrog walked over and he goes, mate, you never, ever want to feel like this again. I go, are you serious? This is awesome. And he goes, no. He goes, this is absolutely terrible. I go, whoa. Not I don't know why, why are you saying that. He goes, you'll understand. You'll understand. It wasn't until the next year when we won 95 um, and I was yep. able to start and score a try that um, I realised what he was talking about. Um, yeah. You know, winning and losing a grand final is the complete contrast. You know, you almost rather not play in the grand final if you don't win it, which sounds bad, but um, that's how deflating it is and that's how euphoric it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I got down there at the end of 92. So 93, didn't play any first grade. 94, I played first grade. 95, I played first grade. Played in two grand finals. <laughs> Do you, remember, do you remember your first ever try? Because I know you're a man that likes a try. We've mentioned plenty of tries so far. Do you remember your first try in first grade? Who your opponents were? No. Who was it? It was round three against the Sydney Roosters at the SFS in 95. Right. I would have no idea. I, I was on an edge then. So it probably would have been, you know, a long shift. And I would have been a decent try. I've, I've got it on big league video. Uh, yeah. 95 season on big league video. And there's, there's footage of that try. It's a good try, mate. Yeah. I'll have to send it through to me, mate. Yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll get yeah it. I, I definitely cannot remember that. And I should do. I do only scored 30. That's what surprises <laughs> me. We, we get, we get guys on like yourself and, and say, um, uh, Campo and that who, who aren't prolific try scorers and you and Michael Luck and you would think that they'd remember their first tries and they never do but then you talk to a guy like Clinton Torpy and he can rattle off every try he ever scored yeah. you know it's- yeah yeah <laughs> oh well centers aren't that busy mate so they haven't yeah. got much to do. <laughs> no, that's all they're there for is scoring tries good point 
Um, you were talking about the the 95 grand final before. Um, 94, you guys obviously lost 95, you win. What was the, the key to the turnaround of form and, and, the, and the, if for that memorable run to the grand final that year? Yeah, I remember we um, I was on the bench and we got beaten by Parramatta, who we should have beaten earlier, uh, you know, probably halfway through the season. Um, and I think I, I'm, I, I think I had my first start in '95, yep. and um, it was round, against Newcastle. Round 13, yeah. And um, Jason Smith played for Australia say on the Friday night and he didn't back up. We played the Knights on a Saturday and we got beaten, I think, 42 nil. Yes. Yeah. Like, we got absolutely – all we were doing was kicking off. John's masterclass. I can't remember. Oh, you could yeah. you can remember that was your first game you played. You can remember the score, but you couldn't remember when you first scored your first First goal. time I started. First <laughs> yeah, time that's I started. First, yeah, you know, first run on, yeah. yeah you, don't forget, you don't forget flogged, getting flogged 42 nil. No, you don't. Yeah, no. No, so um, that was pretty significant. And then, you know, obviously the Super League stuff was going on. Yep. Um, April 1st, April Fool's Day started. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had, obviously, Dino, <clears throat> Dino, Jimmy, Jay Smith and Jared sort of jumped back to the ARL. Yep. Um, so publicly that was a big thing. But Chris uh, was a bit old school, you know, in those days. And when we weren't playing well, we'd just go to the pub and the boys would have a few beers and sort out what are we at, whatever we had to sort out, and then we'd be able to we'd be right. Um, I didn't drink, Has didn't drink, and Matty Ryan didn't drink, so we'd be just sitting in the corner of the pub watching the boys get off whatever they had to get off their chest. Um, and it always worked for some reason. It would work. And so we had a couple of those opportunities, and then we went on a bit of a run. and Yeah. Um, Sort of final series, I suppose, was quite amazing. Um, you know, against St. George, Dino, um, what he did to Glenn Lazarus when we played Brisbane. Yeah, bashed, and, um, bashed the Lazarus, eh? Yeah. Uh, broke his rib. And then, obviously, the Raiders, who were an unbelievable team, you know, did a big job on us the year before and, and were able to sort of um, do what we did in the grand final uh, qualifier, so yeah, huge sort of games, and then to come up against a team like Manly who had lost two games all year, yeah. and like we were just turning up to be beaten. From if you listen to the media, um, Bar got sent off for ten minutes, and yeah, I don't know, it just everything sort of went our way, I suppose, and everything didn't go Manly's way for once. Yeah. Um, it was it was incredible, mate. The the scenes of the Leagues Club when we arrived to catch the bus into the ground, it had been the same in every semi-final leading up to it, but the grand final was, it was atomic. Like, it was unbelievable. Um, we had pretty much an entourage taking us into the ground of, and these days it would be absolutely illegal. There's guys all over trucks, yeah, you know, yeah. on the back of tray trucks in blue and white all blue and white all over the trucks. And they're doing 80, you know, leading the bus. <laughs> Crazy stuff. But, yeah, it was truly incredible. And back in the old Sydney football stadium days where it was afternoon grand finals, Yep. Um, I, I always loved those semifinals and grand finals because whenever you played at the Sydney footy stadium, 
on a Sunday Arbor, you knew that was big time, you know. Uh, Ray Warren commentating, you knew yeah. it was a big dance. Um, and that was what you wanted to play in. So uh, it was it was a privilege to be a part of that those, those teams. We had some outstanding players. Um, truly blessed to have played with Terry Lamb and, you know, your Dean Pays and Darren Britts and, you know, Hetherington's, Halligan's, you know, all of these guys, Matty Ryan's, Rod Silver's, our super talented players and we're really, really good guys and we all got on really well. And Chris was very good at creating a good environment. Ed, how did the previous year's experience in the losing grand final help you the, the following year against like the Manly? Yeah, you know, they always say that you got to lose one to win one, but I was still trying to make more, find my way. Um, I really got into the team because Robert Ralph broke his um, eye socket. And uh, Jason Smith had been injured and was coming back from injury. And Chris didn't want to start with Jace. So it was, it was a big surprise for me to actually start against Canberra. Um, I was even surprised when Chris came to me and said, I'm going to start with you. And I, I couldn't believe it. But I was, you know, very excited. And, um, yeah, it seemed to work. So then he went with the same for the grand final. And Jace come on and did a tremendous, he did a great job off the bench. Uh, he went on the tour at the end of that year. So, you know, he was an outstanding player, Jay Smith. Um, but he was on the bench for us. So, um, yeah, Chris obviously had an idea at the time and seemed to have worked. But, yeah, I think in the warm-up, Mark Carroll had a head collision with someone and split himself. And I think... You know, that's probably when it sort of started to go bad for Manly. <laughs> um, you know, on their dream day, I suppose. It, it was crazy when you look back at it. They were, they were like winks, you know, on that day. They, there was nothing that was going to beat them on that day, but we were able to. Yeah, don't tell yourself short, mate. You played your role in that grand final. You um, first scorer in the grand final off a dubious uh, Jimmy Dimmick pass. Uh, uh, no, Jimmy's Jimmy's. I, I got it from Simon. That's right. So Jimmy Jimmy offloaded it to Simon. So oh, my pass. Oh, that's right. My yeah. pass from Simon was sweet as. That yeah. was That was. Uh, <laughs> that was a good pass. Yeah. No, but um, yeah, mate. You see how young I was. Well, I was twenty-one years old. So it and was wearing headgear. You're wearing, wearing headgear. Yeah. Yeah. And torpedoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and torpedoes. Yeah. Yeah, how do you? Ninety five um, is also remembered for the Super League war, as you as you touched on before. Yeah. Um, so obviously the Bulldogs were minus those key players you mentioned, uh, Dimmick Smith, McCracken, Pay, Brett Dallas as well. Um, how do you how do you remember how that all went down at that at that point in time in ninety five or April one, as you as you said? Yeah. So all those boys played. Um, the only one who didn't play in the grand final was um, was Jared. So he'd sort of had a falling out with Chris um, over all that. But the other guys, Jimmy and, and Dino and Jace, they were all good. Um, Bretto, he obviously was signed with the ARL, so he, um, he left uh, at the end of that. And Terry was going to retire. He obviously announced his retirement. Um, then he came back because we lost, I think, 11 internationals um, at the end of that season. Jace Williams went to Penrith. Mm. Uh, we, had, we lost a whole heap. And so, 
Bar come back and we didn't make the semis at 96. We're a really young team, but by Bar coming back, it was selfless and it really helped us as a young group. Um, and then 97 was when Super League actually started when the two comps did separate. Um, but 96, we sort of went full time. Uh, that was the whole idea of Super League. So I was working at Westpac Bank as a, as a bank Johnny and uh, I had to give that job up and we we're full time. So we we're at the club pretty much from seven till five every day. Um, you know, Monday to Friday and then obviously play on Saturday or Sunday or Friday night. So and that happened in 96, uh, 97 Super League actually started. We, um, we made the semis, but um, got knocked out by Penrith. And then 98 was when um, well, Chris went to Melbourne and folks, he took over as head coach and we made the grand final. Like, unbelievably, we, we had to beat Melbourne um, at, at Belmore and um, it was the wettest, one of the wettest games I've ever played in. Belmore had just been re, refurbished in the way of the surface. So the surface took the water away as quick as it could. But I think Craig Polamalu nearly drowned when he scored the only <laughs> try that was scored that night. <laughs> it was that wet. But, um, yeah, all I remember was we won that game like 8-6 or 8-4 or something. And we went on a run then, and I think we won 10 out of the last 12. Um, we had to beat uh, the Steelers at Illawarra in the last game. Craig Polamana kicked a field goal in the last minute. You won by one, didn't you? You just the the game. remember that. Yeah. And then we beat St. George in the first week of the semi. We were down 12 nil after 10 minutes, played at Cogger, and we come back and beat them. And I think we had to play North Sydney at, at North Sydney. Go the Bears. Oh, red hot team. So, sorry, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Go the Bears. <laughs> 23-2 or something. Yeah, and um, folks, he said, if someone doesn't, um, like, put Jason Taylor on his ass when he kicks it, then you won't have to worry about playing the next week because I'll drop you. Well, Barry Ward, yeah. I, he stepped me and Barry Ward was flying through and he actually hit him high. And poor old Woody got suspended for the rest of the year. So he missed out on the grand final. <laughs> so that's unfortunate for Woody, but um, he listened to the coach, obviously. And then obviously we had the, the Parramatta game and the Newcastle game where we're down 18-2 in one game, 18-6 in the other game with 10 minutes a game, come back and won in overtime and then played Brisbane. We we're leading at halftime, which we hadn't led at halftime at all. And then they ran over the top of us. But that was that was a crazy run. Joe and I were going to go to Phuket at the end of that year. And um, we thought, obviously, we weren't going to make the finals. So we decided not to book it until we worked out when we could actually go. And we didn't end up going. Yeah. <laughs> that that Parramatta game, that semi-final against Parramatta, that's one of the greatest games of all time. Um, the the Daryl Halligan pressure sideline conversion and the the Paul Carriage brain explosions and everything. I'll, I'll never forget that game. That was, that was yeah, crazy. it was, mate. It's oh, I really feel sorry for Paul. Yeah, um, he's, he's mate, brought up a bit, doesn't he? He had such a good season, and and he's sort of always brought up about. It was only probably a ten minute period 
you know, it was probably the overtime period or just leading into it. Um, I, you know, even though that field guard showed it didn't go over, I still believe it went over. Yeah, it I couldn't believe it went that close. Um, but yeah, no, truly amazing year and our reserve grade um, went through to the grand final that day as well. So it was a big day for the Bulldogs. You came up against the red-hot Brisbane side, though, in that grand final. I mean, seriously, that was one of the most stacked teams of probably the NRL era, featuring our last week's guest, um, Kevin Campion. Um, yeah, it was. I I, um, I made my test debut after that grand final, and there was nine Broncos in that in the test team. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how the maths worked on the salary cap, but yeah, they were just lucky, I suppose, to get nine players picked. Um, <laughs> yeah, good season from you. So you selected for the Kangaroos at the end of the 98 season. Um, you make your debut in a 30 to 12 victory over the Kiwis at Lang Park. Mate, tell us what it was like to get that call up and the emotions around representing your country for the first time. Yeah, it was, it was at Suncourt, um, or Lang Park. So I was, Park, yeah. yeah, I was really, I'll tell you, when I actually ran out in the green and gold, you know, uh, mum and the family were there. You know, Joe, um, I, I actually was crying during the National Anthem. It was something I dreamt of. And I'm a really visual person. So when I want to achieve something, I do dream about it that much that, you know, if I actually get to do it, it feels like I've already been there. And I'd actually been in that moment so many times prior to that. Felt as though that, you know, I'm just having another dream. Um, but it was real and I came off the bench and I got on, I think I was on five minutes and Joe Wagenhardt got me with one of his big um, rabbit killers and knocked me out. Uh, I ended up going back on, but he got me good. And uh, yeah, I don't remember much of that game, but all I know is we lost the Anzac test at the start of the year. Bob Fulton was the coach. Yep. I was a manly dominated team. Um I think Lockie made his debut and the Kiwis beat us. Mm. And then game uh, at Lane Park, we won. And then we had to go to Auckland, played at North Harbour um, the, a week later to um, to play the Kiwis again, which all I remember that that game was the build-up to the game with all those Broncos guys in it. We stayed at um, the Novotel in Auckland. And um, all I remember is trying to get to my room, having to go through Webke, Thorne, Talis, um, Sailor. It was a gauntlet just to try and get to the room. Like every time you go, they were like Raptors, they jump out of their room and wrestle you into their room and pretty much bash you. And then they'd get sick of that. And then you get to the next room. And it, it just kept on going all the way down the hallway. Wayne just killed himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an experience. What an initiation. <laughs> um, prior, prior to the 99 season, um, the Bulldogs signed two of the biggest names in rugby league, Ricky Stewart and Bradley Clyde. Um, we've all seen Ricky as a coach over the years. W- was he that angry as a player? Yeah, he was, mate. He's a, he's a massive competitor, um, huge competitor. And, right, being able to, like, I'd played against him in those unbelievable um, camera sides. And even even Clyde, like, I was in awe of Clyde as an opponent and as a kid growing up, 
you know, watched him play. Uh, he didn't outsee Bobby, but he was a tremendous player. And then to actually see how meticulous he was firsthand. Um, and the same with Ricky. His passing and his kicking was phenomenal. Um, he'd put bombs up and I'd be just looking at him going, you poor bugger, whoever the fullback was. Yeah. Um, and just so smart, you know, like he'd tell you where to be. Be like Joey Johns. Um, Joey's the best player I've played against and with um, in my time. He could kick off either feet. He could um, pass off either side and hit his target. He could tackle and he could step, run, do the whole lot. So, um, but Ricky, unfortunately, I think it might have been against the Warriors, broke his leg and that yeah, sort of ended his career, yeah. which sort of ruined our season uh, that year that, that we were going pretty good and um, broke his leg. So, but it was really, really good to play with Rick and Clyde. Uh, I learned a lot off both of them, um, just in their preparation and, and just in games, just being able to reset if things aren't going right. Um, and then when they are, being able to really put the foot on the throat. Mate, 99 um, was probably your best year for try scoring. You, you went on a bit of a purple patch. You scored five tries in seven games. As a front rower, is it always a good feeling when you get that first try of the season, you're off the nudie run? (laughs) (laughs) Being in the front row, scoring a try is always good. That's that's why I used to get so excited. I I never had a try celebration. I'd just throw the ball up. Throw the ball up in the air and smile. That's right. That's it. I was was just so excited. Just do that and then go, who's close? I'm going to hug you. Uh, and that never changed. I don't know why, but they never changed. Uh, probably because it didn't get to sort of do it too often. But um, yeah, always, always really good. And I suppose um, one of the really good things when I went to the Warriors, and I know we're going to get to the Warriors, but mm-hmm. we, we actually became a real threat. Rubes, um, myself, Rubes, Ivan Tumabavi, um, you know, Benny Madalino, yep. um, Sonny Fai. Um, Nathan Fane, Georgie Gaddis in that middle area, in the middle sort of part of the field. Um, we'd, we'd have a whole heap of plays where a real threat in the middle. So then that made it really easy for your Simon Mannerings and your Money Vardavise on the edge because we were a threat in the middle. Yep. They had to worry about us. So that made it really easy for our edge. Um, I think one year our middles scored something like 15 or 20 tries between us which is unheard of. Um, and then, you know, Manu was scoring 20-something tries. And, it was a game, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, what, I, what I did learn was pretty early on when I went from the edge into the middle, folksy put me there because we didn't have any front rowers as well as I wasn't playing that good sort of on the edge. I was sort of there, but if the ball didn't come to me, I wouldn't get involved. So he wanted to get me more involved. So he threw me in the middle and made it really, really simple for me. That helped my game. And I think they've done that with Cohen Hess. Now, I think his game's improved since he's gone in the middle. Yeah. Um, but I worked out pretty quick that you can't just run straight and hard every run because you're just going to get absolutely crippled. Um, so you had to be a little bit creative. And I wasn't one of the biggest front rowers, so I had to come use probably my agility and – I didn't have speed, but um, I know what you call, say, smarts. Footy brain. Yeah, and I played with Darren Britt, 
He was one of the smartest front rowers I've ever played with. Very skillful, and I watched him a lot. And I also watched Glenn Lazarus a lot, who was very big. He was a big man. So I sort of tried to come up with us, you know, a combination or a hybrid of both, as well as what my strengths and weaknesses were, um, and come up with my game, I suppose. And unfortunately, we went through that period of Super League where it was unlimited interchange. So my strength was being able to play long minutes. And then when Super League come along and sort of the powerful athletes, big, just get them out there, get them off, get them out there, get them off. Yep. Um, and I sort of battled along there for a while, trying to survive in that. And then when it went back to limited interchange again, um, I was able to start to make a bit of a bit of a way. Um, people always sort of had this perception that I was always concerned about stats, but the stats for me, all they did was measure my involvement in the game. Mm. And I knew the more I was involved in the game, the better I played. Um, particularly Origin, if Jonathan Thurston or Greg Inglis or Darren Lockyer or Billy Slater or Carmichael Hunt were getting man of the match, then we knew we'd done our job. Mm. And, um, you know, you go club land, if Stacey or Manu or you go Bulldogs has them or whoever were getting man of the match, Jono, you know, those guys were getting man of the match. That meant the middle were doing their job. Yep. And I always felt that that was a real pat on the back for the for the middle guys because you don't get a lot of accolades in the middle. But that's how I sort of looked at it um, in a way that, you know, if we don't do our job, those guys can't be getting those sort of rewards. So... Um, I started to try and be um, a lot more dynamic in regards to pre-line, post-line and having footwork so that you're a bit of a threat um, dynamically rather than just being one-dimensional. Yep. And pretty sort of taught me that. Um, and I just, every year I sort of worked on it. Um, and the older I got, the slower I got, but the smarter you got. So it's sort of a funny one and really enjoyed my footy, you know, at the Bulldogs, learning all that stuff. And then at the Warriors, um, being able to utilise all the things that I learned. But then with so many young guys, I got such a boost of enthusiasm from the young guys and a freshness of a new country, learning a lot of stuff outside of footy. Um and lifestyle was a little bit different. Yep. Uh, Bulldogs, been there 12 years, um, doing the same thing in the same place, with the same people. Uh, the change was sort of good in a way. Um, unexpected. I thought I'd be at the Bulldogs my whole life. But, um, yeah, it's the way it went. And, um, yeah, I, I, I was very emotional when time came to leave the Bulldogs, but uh, very proud of what I'd achieved at the Bulldogs and very proud of how I left the Bulldogs. You know, um, being able to leave with a premiership, also didn't get to play in the game, um, was quite incredible. And to have been able to captain the club was something I always sort of strive to do. And one of the things Bullfrog um, mentioned when I signed with the club because I was always a captain when I was a kid. So um, it was a bit one of those things that the Bulldogs is a bit of 
bit like the royal family. You sort of got to wait for the current cats in the gun and you got to be sort of around about the right place to be able to get that opportunity. So when my opportunity came up, Britty decided to go to England. Um, it was between me, Darren Smith and Braith and Astor. So I was in the middle of the other two. Braith was really young and Smithy was a bit more experienced and folks, he chose me. So um, it was, yeah, really cool. Yeah, it was. That was that 2002 season and it looks to be the season where it all came together for the dogs. As you, you said, we spoke about it earlier. Um, you go on that streak where you win 17 straight games um, before ironically being beaten by the Warriors. Warriors and then yeah. a week yeah. <laughs> and then a week, a week later, the team is, is stripped of all competition points, um, effectively consigning the team to the wooden spoon. Yeah. As fans, yeah. we only see what, what the media portrays to us, but as, as the captain, how did you manage that scenario with a team full of so many young players? Yeah, it was pretty smart management from the start. We decided... It was only going to be myself and folks here that were going to talk uh, yep. publicly. Um, we had some guys, you know, very different personalities. So that would send a whole lot of different messages. So, which made it a little bit hard for me being the captain in my first year that I had to be quite measured on what I said and how I said it and what I said, uh, the way I said it. Um, yep. It didn't change what I said. I always was very honest and open, but. Um, you know, I think what it taught me was to be very honest and also be very approachable because trying to avoid it doesn't help. You know, it only, it only helps people throw more grenades. Whereas if you front up, it's very hard to bag someone when they're standing face to face. Yeah. I learned that really quick. Um, we played, we played, um, a Friday night game, I think. I think it might have been Parramatta. And then on the Saturday... The game after the Warriors? Yeah. Yeah. And then on the Saturday was when we'd heard late Friday that the story was going to break Saturday morning, which we knew nothing about. And um, I was supposed to go on uh, Channel 7 Sport on the Sunday. And um, our media officer said, oh, I can cancel if you want. I said, no. I committed to it three weeks ago and we're still going to go on it. Bruce McIlvaney was the host. And when I turned up, he goes, mate, you've got some brass monkeys turned up here. And um, I've gone, oh, shit, you know, this might be good. <laughs> but they actually were, they were actually very, very timid. Um, and he said, when, I, when we went off air at the end of it, he goes, I've got to give it to you. We didn't think you'd turn up. And we were absolutely going to launch on you guys. And he said, because you turned up, you know, we couldn't launch on you because you've fronted up and it was such a great lesson to learn and everything from then on whatever I got asked to do I'd do um, if I got asked a question I'd answer it as honestly as I could if I couldn't answer yep. it I'd yep. say that I couldn't answer it um, and I think the club became closer with the fans during the Super League period sort of the fans you know became a little bit distant from the players and um during that period, we come really close with our fans. And uh, I think that game against Brisbane, like we played Canberra the weekend that we found out what the punishment was. And we were down, I think, 20-0 after 20 minutes. 
and we come back and got beaten 32-30, I think. Yeah. And then the next week we played the Storm and we did a job on the Storm. And then um, and then we played Brisbane last game at uh, the showgrounds. And I saw Wayne before the game and he goes, mate, you're not going to win today. And I go, like, we are. Brisbane were playing for the opportunity to finish minor premiers. Yeah. And um, the only way the Warriors would finish minor premiers is if we beat Brisbane. Yeah. Mate, it was packed out. There was more Bulldogs fans there than I think were recorded. And um, after the game, it was pandemonium. Like, the fans raced onto the field. Um, oh, it was it was... It was truly emotional. It was, it was, it was really, really cool. If you know, it was, it wasn't better than winning the comp, but it was the next best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The craziest thing during that sort of week was, folks, he was driving home after we got the points handed down. We're going to lose 37 competition points. Yep. And he's driving home and he's going to go on the M5 and he went through a red light. And um, the copper saw him and pulled him over. And uh, you're going, oh, yeah, this is typical. Like, just finishing off my day. And then the copper says something like, oh, you know, have you got any reasoning why you went through the red light? And he goes, no, I haven't. But he said, I don't think I'm going to lose more than 37 points today, am I? <laughs> <laughs> and the opposite worked out that Bulldogs had just been stripped 37 points. So folks <laughs> actually lost 39 points that day. Going <laughs> <laughs> through the red light. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a, a huge night, mate. We did a job on the Bronx. We had everything to play for and we had nothing to play for. Um, but the thing I was most proud of with that group is that we didn't drop our bundle. Um, you know, we could have quite easily thrown the toys out of the cot and said we don't want to play or we're just going to roll over. Um, I think we won 20 games that year. I think we lost three and drew one, something like that, which at the time was the most winningest sort of season. And, like, no one could take that away from us. Whilst we had an asterisk beside our name, it would still show how many wins we had, how many losses we had. And we lost the first game of the year against the West Tigers. We drew against the Broncos, the second game. And then we lost to the Warriors and lost to the Raiders after the recap. So, yeah, it was was a phenomenal year. And um, I was really, really proud of that group. Um, We lost a few like Nigel and Trav Norton and the end of the year. But um, we're still really tight, that group. Uh, we've got our own WhatsApp group and um, <laughs> we're always commenting on how the Bulldogs are going currently and how the game's going and it's really cool. So I think that helped us continue on 2002. 2001, we made the finals, sort of got bundled out after two weeks. Yep. 2002, you know, we were sort of favourites to win it. 2003, we ended up playing the Roosters in the grand final qualifier. Warriors, Francis Melly scored five tries on you, remember? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which which changed our course. Yeah. Warriors did its job on us at home at, at, um, at uh, the showgrounds. Yeah. Franny scoring five. Uh, unbelievable that night. Um, 
And then we went obviously on the other side of the draw, which put us to have to play the Roosters to get to the grand final. And we bashed each other, um, which that's not the reason why Penrith beat the Roosters. But um, yeah, I know that we were really hurting. So if we had made the grand final, we wouldn't have been too good that week. Um, and then, you know, obviously 04, we were able to actually play the grand final. Everyone had hoped to have happened two years earlier and even one year earlier. Um, which played every game that year, both Origin, Test footy and club footy. And the only one I didn't play in was the grand final and um, sort of went through the, the whole process of deciding to go to the Warriors during Origin. Um, my wife had to fly over to New Zealand. And I, I felt it was important for her to be comfortable with the move. So she did a little undercover trip and flew over and had a look around and said, yeah, I've got absolutely no problems to live over in New Zealand and in Auckland. And so then um, I made the call, which not too many people were expecting um, to move. And um, the good thing for that was it was very emotional. I was bawling my eyes out when I told the players, but that was good because I was able to release that, um, you know, emotion. And then publicly, I was yeah, able to yeah. just um, be really, the decisions made now, I've got another eight or 10 weeks left with the Bulldogs and I want it to be the best eight weeks of my time here, you know. And it was, except for the first two minutes of the Penrith game, which yeah. did my medium. Um, but again, taught me a lot out of that. Um, that grand final week, uh, we sort of made it all about me to yep. take pressure off Jono and, and Bobcat because Andrew was going to be the captain for the first time and uh, Jono was going to be playing, which no one expected. Um, Jonathan Thurston and so it was all about me trying to get on the field and and then um, that helped me in a way because I was sort of focused on you know processing and saying publicly that I'm going to be able to play and hyperbaric chamber and all this sort of stuff which I knew I wasn't going to be able to play but I was almost convinced so there, was, there was never a chance that you were going to play that game? No chance. Oh, I went to the surgeon on the Monday and um, he got he had the scan, and I said, "Is there any can you do any surgery that can put a rubber band in there or anything?" And he said, "No, I wish I could, but I can't." Um, so we knew early on that I wasn't going to play. I knew when I did it because I'd done a medial before, so I knew what I'd done. Um, but I got to say that whole experience really taught me a lot about what it takes to win a comp. And I felt like a Harry, Harry hang on on grand final day. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you're there and everyone's trying to make you feel a part of it, but you actually don't because you're not actually on the field. And folks who did such an amazing job and the players to make me feel so, such an integral part of it. And with what John O did after the game and all of that. But when we did the speech after the game, you realise how many people play a part in getting that result yep. who aren't wearing a jersey on that day. No, there was another seven guys who didn't play that day who 
were just as, you know, hundred percent. They don't yeah. play those games that they played. We don't get to where we got to. Yeah. Um, and I really understood about what it takes to win a comp um, when you're that guy sitting on the bench who was a part of the team but isn't a part because of injury. Um, and it was my last game at the club. And, you know, with what John A did, I think that's just a true testament to the person we all saw him become as a player. Yep. He's so, you know, his humility and what, what his ethics are about. Like, he thought it was more important for me to get it than him. And that was his first grand final. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no guarantee he was going to he was going to make another or win one at least, yeah. you know. Like he was yeah. going to the Cowboys who, Cowboys who had never won a comp, you know. Yeah. So yeah, crazy, crazy, but yeah, really, really cool way to finish at the club. Um, that I turned up as a boy and left as a married man with three kids, yeah. you know, father with three kids. So yeah, huge, huge. And then really looked forward to my new new journey. Um, uh, went over uh, sort of to start training and uh, look for a. So, oh, sorry, we had a week off after the grand final, and then we flew over for four days and in, into Auckland and had a look around at where we were going to live. And the club really helped us out in that area, and pretty much. I'm a bit of a basketball fan and sort of knew someone at the breakers. So they organised for some tickets. So we were going to the game and I saw this house um, that was for sale and I rang up the real estate agent and said, can we have a look? We're going to the basketball. Can we have a look on the way? And they said, yeah, yep, no worries. I'm not too far away. I'll drop in. Like it's not an open, open house as earlier, but drop in and we really liked it. So we put in an offer and, didn't realise that by putting in an offer then meant it's almost like a blind auction that it was going to auction. So as soon as someone puts an offer in, then the other interested parties get to make an offer as well. And it's the one the actual seller gets to choose who they want. So anyway, we got it. So that was good to know that we were going to have a house. Yeah. Um, came back, I had my knee injury. My first training session, it was raining, it was freezing cold. I'm like a schoolboy, you know, first day at school in my new gear. And there's a couple of Maldi boys on the hill going, Steve Price. Oh, hey, boys. <laughs> yeah, Bulldogs captain, eh? And I go, yeah, yeah, Bulldogs captain. Oh, you just won the comp, eh? And I said, yeah, yeah, won the comp. Oh, you just play with that Sonny Bill Williams, eh? I said, yeah, yeah, play with Sonny Bill. He's an amazing player. Oh, you signed with the Warriors? And I said, yeah, yeah, signed with the Warriors. That's sort of why I'm here in a Warriors shirt. <laughs> oh, man, I wish they had a sign Sonny Bill Williams instead of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so oh, welcome. Oh, man. <laughs> I was packing stuff up back in, in Sydney. And I go, oh, don't worry about it, doll. I hate me. <laughs> You're not in Belmore uh, anymore. <laughs> club had... Uh, my Suzu big truck. Oh, yeah. It was a car I had straight from Japan. Um, so it was, you can only go up, I think, Channel 95 on uh, FM. So there was only one station I could listen to. And not many, if any, was a song by Scribe oh, yeah. at the time. And that song was played, I think, every three songs. 
<laughs> so I'm driving back from training. It's raining, like freezing cold. I'm crying. These little Maori kids have just made me feel this big. <laughs> At the club I've just signed for for three years. I'm just going, oh. oh. Go, go, going back to that decision to go to the Warriors, so um, you said earlier in the discussion that one of the reasons that you went there was because folksy didn't want you to play rep footy going forward and the Warriors were quite happy for you to continue your rep footy career. Yeah. Was there any other clubs interested or, or courting you at that time? And if so, what what was it about the Warriors that made you decide? Because that's a massive move mm. going from, you know, a, a Sydney-based club over to a club based in a different country. Yeah, so what, what happened, the short version is, uh, during the salary cap, so just before we had the salary cap issue, I'd agreed to a new deal. So I'd agreed to it on principle, sign a document, just hadn't signed the actual contract. Then the salary cap stuff come out and then Steve Morton was the CEO and he wanted to sign me because I was the captain. And I said, well, we've already signed a contract because he come in for the, um, you know, for um, Bobby Hagen, I think. Yep. Um, anyway, so Turvey says, I want to sign you. And we said, well, we've already signed, like agreed. So we sent him that contract, like that letter, and he goes, "Oh, mate, we're not going to be able to do that." And so I go, "Right, so what can you do?" So we all took a twenty percent pay cut, yep. and I pretty much was on the same money that I was already on, yep. which yeah. wasn't sort of the money I should have been. But anyway, that's what happened. So he said, "All right, what we'll do is he goes within the next two years, he goes, we'll be able to sort it out." So he said, "Sign a four-year deal." And two years is um, your favour. And then obviously two years will be the club's favour. Okay, right. No worries. So that two years had sort of passed, 2004. Um, one of the guys, staff member at the, at the Warriors, brother-in-law used to work at the Bulldogs. Okay. So he knew my contract. No one else did. And he knew it. And so... One of the guys of the Warriors rung me just out of the blue and said, you know, would you be interested in talking to the Warriors? Not coming to the Warriors, talking to the Warriors. And I sort of thought, you know what, it's not going to hurt just having a chat. But I'd never, ever had that discussion. But the club had just re-signed Mark O'Mealy, I think Willie Mason, Brayton Astor, you know, Sonny Bill. So those guys had just been re-signed. And I thought, oh, that's a bit strange when Turvey said, going to work it out in the next two years I thought I would have been one of the sort of first ones to get sorted from what yep, I'd agreed yeah. to and so I thought oh, I'll just leave it you know yep sure we'll have a chat so I met at the Novotel at Sydney Olympic Park with um, one of the Warriors guys and uh, just had a really good chat and just said um, you know what they were thinking and there was no figures spoken but how much the club would like to have me there and understand the pressures the Bulldogs are faced with and blah, blah, blah. And so then uh, my manager was George Mimas. Yep. So I had a chat with George about it. And then he then took up the discussions to continue. And he was also chatting with the Bulldogs and nothing was changing in the Bulldogs. Um, and we eventually got to a stage where basically they couldn't give me any more money um, than what I was on, which I'd already taken a pretty big pay cut. 
and it was going to be really difficult to keep me, Haz, and Jono. So that's sort of where the club had got to. Um, the club also sacked Gary Hughes, who I had so much respect for and was the glue at the club. Uh, he was our football manager. Yep. And he got the sack over the sex sort of um, accusation. Um, yep. we, had, we had to go and see lawyers. And just one day at training, Gaz picked four guys, six guys to go into the lawyers to see them and they had to go to the police to give their statement. And we're doing it in lots, but that was the first time that we'd done it. And there's not too many guys that wear three-piece suit to training. Yeah. So the boys that went, Sonny Bill was one, Mace was another one. Sonny Bill, we were sponsored by Nike and yep. Sonny had a Nike shirt on, which was Texas Longhorns. And their motto was, we play dirty. So the media took a photo of that and blew it up. And that was the front page of the paper. And this is like how disrespectful the Bulldogs players are. This is a very big accusation, blah, blah, blah. And Mace was wearing thongs and board shorts and, like, yep. look at what they're wearing. And so Gary Hughes got sacked over that, which that wasn't the Bulldogs' way. And Gaz was born and bred Canterbury. Yeah. Um, yes. Played for the club the whole lot. And I thought, you know what? If that's what can happen to a guy that is born and bred, like, I want to be here forever. But if that can happen to him, I've got to think about the most important team I, I have, which is the one I come home to every night. Yep. And so that's the only thing that changed in my head was that. And that's what made the Warriors scenario a bit more um, viable. And, yeah, there was just a few other things that had sort of happened that sort of got me thinking a little bit differently. And then the Warriors just got keener and keener and keener. And um, George didn't want me to go. He didn't have a player at, at, at the Warriors. Uh, Jim Bennigan had most of the players at the Warriors. Um, so that was going to be new territory for George. But um, when I made the decision, eventually made the decision, and I spoke to Wayne Bennett, was one of the guys yep. I spoke yeah. to. Um, yeah, I decided to go, and it was a really, really hard decision, but I decided to make the decision to go, and um, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. It was awesome uh, for us as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's fan. Yeah, it was a, it was a, I can remember when the news broke, it was a massive uh, news for, for the Warriors fans and supporters. It was yeah, absolutely huge because I like, think one the, of those signings you didn't think, because I think we'd already signed Ruben or we were in talks with Ruben at the same time. Yeah, you were. So I, don't, I think the club was hopeful of getting one of us. Yeah. Then got both of us. Yeah. And that sort of <laughs> stuffed things up a little bit. But, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I was really excited to hear that Rubes was looking to go. Yep. Because I've got I had so much respect for him and I knew how much the young Kiwi boys, how much mana they had yep. for Rubes. And I thought, wow, this is gonna be so cool. Playing with a guy who's got so much respect of all of his, you know, and at the Bulldogs, every time we played in Auckland, like there was always a sellout. Like I think the Bulldogs were one of the favourites, the Kiwis and obviously the Warriors, so it was always a big crowd and I thought this would be so cool to play as the home team one day because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Auntie was giving it to me every time I played with the Bulldogs. You know, some <laughs> of the things I was caught over there, I was just going, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> but um, it was so intimidating, and they had such a, an amazing team, you know, Ali and, you know, all those guys, Stacey, and they were just so hard to stop, and I thought it would be pretty cool. And the other thing that was really big for me was I walked into the Bulldogs and the culture and the history was already there of expectation. And Ruben was yeah. the same at Canberra. You know, if you didn't reach that expectation or that standard, you didn't survive. And I sort of felt like the Warriors had had a lot of success, but then they also the next minute had sort of no, you know, failure. Yeah. That was exactly there was no consistency there. And I thought it'd be really cool to be a part of trying to create some sort of consistency and a real culture of what I walked into at the Bulldogs as well as Rubes walked into at the Raiders. Yeah. Um, and that was a really cool part because we had a lot of young kids like Manu and Sonny and, mm -hmm. you know, Rusty Packer, um, Benny Madalino, you know, the names go on of all the young boys there was, you know, Jerome Rapati, um, all these young kids that were coming through, yeah. Simon Mannering, um, that for once the Warriors were getting the top of the crop yeah. rather than yeah. the Sydney Cubs. And that's what we had to change as well. Like all the Kiwi kids would look at going to Australia first and then the Warriors was the last resort. Yep. Sort of changed that over that period of the Warriors became the most attractive and then if we didn't get picked up by the Warriors, then we'd go to a Sydney club, which yeah. was amazing. Um, and my biggest fear was, I suppose, how the wife and the kids would find living in New Zealand and whether they were ex um, accepted. And that was the greatest part, mate. If I've got to say our greatest experience, um, the football was amazing from a rugby league player's perspective, but the actual life experience far outweighed anything that I experienced from the football side, which was amazing. Like the semi-final we played in 08 against the Roosters at home semi-final was unforgettable. I'll never forget that. It was up there with origin in regards to atmosphere and yeah. credit. It was incredible. I was crying when I'm walking around. I was that emotional walking around to do the toss because we were on the other side of the field. I had to walk around and all the fans got there early on the end because they were the cheaper seats. Yeah. They were there for the earlier games and they were going nuts when I walked around and I'm like bawling and I'm sure they're thinking, oh my God, he's crying. Is it going to be all right to play this today? <laughs> I got around and Freddie's the captain of the Roosters and he's going, are you all right, bro? And I go, yeah, man, this is awesome. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, and just... Uh, the experience the kids got, like like Riley, my son, he was three when we moved over there. Yep. Casey, my second daughter, she was six. And Jamie, my eldest, she was eight. So the majority of their schooling in New Zealand, um, they pretty much grew up, you know, and became young adults in New Zealand. And yep. um, it, was a, it was a perfect place for them to grow up and become young, young adults. Um, and, and that was one of the reasons why we went there too. We were looking at going to England, but I sort of felt it was during sort of terrorism time and I thought if something happened, we're still close enough to get home. Home, yeah. If we had to or if something happened at home, we could still come home. But if we're in England, that, that makes it a bit harder. And 
New Zealand's a little bit different, but not too different. So that was going to be a really cool experience for the kids. But it won't be a big change. You know, it'll be a cool sort of just a little twist on it, you know. And that absolutely was. Um, you know, I signed a three-year deal and we just said, let's just see how it goes. And we stayed there 13 years. Yeah. And, yeah. and the biggest lesson that I learned in New Zealand is about family. Yep. That is yeah. the most important thing in your whole life. And I thought that family was important to me as a young kid in Australia. But the New Zealand has taught me what family actually is yeah. and how important it is. And that's the only reason why we moved back from New Zealand. Otherwise, we'd still be there. Yeah. Because we wanted to be closer to our family. Yep. Um, otherwise, mate, we'd still be there. And I ended up having a four square um, up in Waipu, when I, you know, right at the end. Um, and I absolutely loved it. And I'd still be with foodstuffs right now if we're still in New Zealand. I, I, it was the closest to footy and the enjoyment I got out of it, of owning a supermarket in New Zealand, was the closest yeah. to being a rugby league captain. Um, yeah? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. I haven't, I haven't experienced anything like it since. Um, and that's truly the only reason why we left was because I wanted us to be close because we're in Sydney for 12 years. Yep. It's all our families here in Queensland. And then we're in, you know, New Zealand for 13. So Joe and I had been away from our family 25 years. Yeah. Mm. I thought it's time, you know, we, we go home and, and it's been amazing, mate. We've been back now sort of mid to late 2017. And, um, Joe sees his sister every day, sees her mum, you know, every week. I see my mum every couple of weeks. She's up in Toowoomba. Uh, my sister, you know, I see and my brother. And uh, it's really, really awesome. So I've really got to thank New Zealand in so many ways. Joe did a teaching degree over there. Yep. And she was never thinking of teaching when she was. You got a business degree, didn't you, when you were over there as well? I did my MBA. Yeah, yeah. What was the worries. Yeah, so I did a cert four in small business at the Bulldogs, and then when I went to the Warriors, I started my MBA through Southern Cross University Lismore, by correspondence through MIT at Manicow. Yep. Um, so they'd send you a textbook and a folder, and you'd have an assignment um, uh, after four weeks, another assignment after eight weeks. And then an exam at the end of the 12 weeks, and I did 12 papers yep. um, while I was still playing, which worked out good in a way because, you know, when I was at the Bulldogs, the Warriors was was such a tough trip. And I used to say to all the boys, and, you know, that's what the mantra we had was, it's our weather, it's our place. Yep. Uh, that's probably why Warriors went so well in Melbourne was because it was very similar. Similar, yeah. Uh, that none of the Aussie teams liked playing in Auckland. It was wet, it was cold. You had to go through customs, you had to get to the airport two hours early and then a three-hour flight. It was like going to the moon, you know? <laughs> and when I actually lived here and we had to do it every second week, um, you had to clean your boots every week. Yeah. You know, yeah. Team. When you did, when you're at the Bulldogs, like you're just going, this is a pain in the ass. <laughs> 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 so... Yeah, there were so many things that it taught uh, taught me, but 
I was able to do study on the plane over and on the plane back. It wasn't what I wanted to do. The boys are playing cards and yeah. watching movies, but um, yeah, it gave me so much empowerment and um, and confidence because so many of the boys sort of thought being the player they were, they were going to get a job and get paid well, and they didn't. So yeah. that was a sort of a good lesson to learn before I retired. Yep. Let's go all the way back, mate, to your um, Warriors debut in round one against Manly in that yep. uh, yeah, 2005 season. You're appointed Warriors captain. Um, yep. that, must, that must have been a surreal feeling, uh, leading the team out onto Mount Smart Stadium uh, as captain. Yeah, it was, mate. Um, the, the crazy thing about that, I didn't go to the Warriors with that in mind. No. Never mentioned that I was going to be the captain. I just assumed Rubes was going to be the captain. Yeah. Um, but anyway, or Stace. But when I was asked, I was honoured and it was the toughest thing I've ever done. Yes. Um, and the only reason why I say that is when I was at the Bulldogs, I'd been there 12 years. So I'd been there longer than every other player that I was the captain of. Yep. So yes. I'd seen all those boys come in either from another club or as kids. So I knew them really well. The only way I knew the players of the Warriors were as opponents. And um, because of my knee injury, I didn't get to play a trial game um, and I didn't get to do much training with the group. Uh, really only in the last week before that first game was when I was with the team. So I had five days to prepare for my first game as captain. It was at home. Um, it was amazing, you know, the reception we got and how cool everything was. But... The thing I remember the most was, um, I don't know, I'd been watching the Warriors during 04 and they came equal last, right? So I sort of got an idea of how they were going and um, they'd always go for the quick tap and go. But then they'd drop it in the first or second tackle and I thought, if we're going to have anything to do with that place, we're not going to just take the quick tap. We're going to be... <laughs> so we got a penalty... And Stacey's run straight up and I raced up and I stood in front of him and I took the ball off him. I said, no, we're going to take the two. <laughs> 11 out of the 13 players on one, 11 out of the other 12 raced up to me and started abusing me. <laughs> what are you doing? And I go, what am I doing? What are you doing? This is what we're doing. <laughs> no, we're not. We're taking the quick turn. Anyway, we had this massive argument. And I'm just going, holy dooly, like things are very different here. Yeah. Uh, we took yeah. two. Uh, I just felt as though it was a way to try and calm us down yep. and, and sort of reset us and get us off the mark. When you're talking about get off the needy, I just thought if we could get points, yep. and we seemed to be all right, but if we didn't get points, the pressure started to mount yeah. and it started to be riskier and riskier. And I just thought we've got to teach them just to build it, you know. So anyway, that was a pretty quick lesson, really quick for both. The other 12 players and me. Um, but anyway, I think we lost by two that day, didn't we? Yeah, so, I think it was yeah, it was close game. 26-20 or something. 26-20, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, there you go. So maybe if I didn't take the two, maybe we might have scored an eight-point try and won the game or drew the game. But... Oh, we definitely would have. <laughs> We're the Warriors. Yeah. These kind of things happen. Yeah. But I, I will say I learned a whole lot more as a leader 
during my time at the Warriors because it was such a different mix. Yep. Um, we had a young group, but we also had some really experienced players like, you know, um, Warringi Kupu, Lance O'Hire, um, you know, Logan Swan, Stacey, um, uh, Clinton Torpy, mm. you know, Franny, um, Jerry C. C. You know, we had a whole heap of experienced players as well. One of the things I learned fast is that you can't be, like, just because you've got a C beside your name, you're not the only leader. Yeah. You've got to empower everyone. And we had some great, like, Ruben, Stacey. So we used to sort of say, you know, Ruben would be in charge of the sort of Samoan um, boys and, and some of the Māori boys. And some of the Aussie boys, we had about 11 Aussies in our squad. Um, so, and then, you know, why Wairangi would be the Māori boys. Um, Stacy would be, Stacy and Lance would be all the shorter boys, no matter who they were. Uh, so it was just, like, so it was just them two. Yeah. <laughs> just those guys, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but... We had we had some really good guys who who got to the wide reaches of our squad, yep, and had a lot of respect. A lot um, of culturally culturally different backgrounds going through. Hundred percent. And, and yeah. what I worked out fast was if one of the boys wasn't training too well or playing well, or, and I generally I'd sort of have a word, but Rubes or whoever would come to me and sort of say, "Oh, so, you know, there's this this is what's going on at home or wherever." And so you sort of get a complete different appreciation of what impacts the whole of life has on the players that I was playing with. Um, also, how we learnt. Um, this isn't saying that the players aren't smart, but it just say that we learn differently. So the Bulldogs, if folks here would say, this is a move that we want to do, boys, um, and, and just, just talk through it, we'd be able to go and do it. At the Warriors, we talk about it, we show it, and then we do it, and then we generally nail it. Yeah, it, it was it was incredible. And my wife ended up doing teaching, and she just goes, you know, this is some sort of way of learning. There's a name for it, and I just go, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. so uh, it was really really cool to learn all of those things that you don't generally think about. And even in the gym, like the boys were more worried about how much they could lift. Whereas always taught by Billy was, you know, lengthen your limbs because they're rubber bands. You want them to be able to stretch when you don't want them to stretch. You want them to stretch. Yeah. Sorry, when you want them to stretch, you want them to stretch. Yeah. Um, and guys like Sonny, you know, like I always crack up. Sonny Fire would be lifting stupid bench press. But they'd be, they'd be little halfies. I always called them halfies. I go, mate. You haven't got Tyrannosaurus Rex arms. Like they're long <laughs> arms. I go, so go the full length. I said, it's going to hurt that way. <laughs> yeah. Go, no, bro, like I'm, I can do 180 bench press like three times. I go, mate, it's only one and a half you're doing. You're not doing three. <laughs> and he'd start giggling. Um, same with chin-ups, same with all those sorts of things. But oh, it was really, really good, mate. And, you know, I don't know whether you're going to talk about Sonny, but just to, yeah, we just to quickly we talk about Sonny, he was a, a kid who... His big smile and that. Um, he came as 18th man a couple of times in our first year and he roomed with Rubes and his energy and his and his presence 
He was an 18 year old. He's still at school. Um, and just his uh, um, youth, youthfulness. You know, he was so excited in telling everyone at school that he roomed with Ruben Wiki. And he'd tell us that story of how excited all the boys and girls at school were. Um, and that was him, you know, like, I, I used to have a party at the start of every year to try and get all the players together. Yep. And I'd have a theme. So it'd be, say, a P, so be a policeman and be a dress-up. Yep. And we'd have a prize for the best dressed up. And then I thought, I'll add to that. So we had a prize for the best dressed, male and female. And then I had a karaoke machine. I wanted to get the voice because all of them think that they can sing. Yeah. But I had to have a price for that too because otherwise no one would get up and sing. So I had a little, um, I, uh, wasn't an I, a Nano, a Nano. Oh, iPad Nano, iPod, yeah, yeah. iPod Nano, yeah. yeah. And then I was the coolest thing and they were really expensive. And I'll never forget Sonny coming up to me so the prizes that I had for the best dressed were longboard skateboards. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Peter Party used to get me those. Yeah. So I just thought they were a bit different and people liked them. And so the Nano, so I thought this is really going to, you know, we're going to get this karaoke pumping. So anyway, Sonny comes to me and he goes, oh, bro, I really want that Nano. I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely sing so many songs. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to win this, right? I'm going, okay, that's cool. So we have the party. Uh, oh, sorry, the party's going. And Rubes gets up about six or seven times and he's absolutely killing it, you know. Like, Sonny still hasn't got up and I'm thinking, far out, Rubes has won this already. Like, everyone's going to vote on it and they're going to vote Rubes. And so Sonny goes, okay, um, I'm ready to do mine now. And I go, okay, mate, what song do you want? He goes, Venga, uh, Venga Bus. Venga Bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right, okay. <laughs> I said, all right, that's cool. So I announced, you know, Sonny, you're going to have his song now. And everyone's going nuts. Oh, this will be cool. He's, he, goes, he goes, gets ready to start. And he pretty much puts the microphone down and then lip syncs it and starts stripping. Oh. <laughs> he starts stripping he gets down to his undies and he's dancing and all the wives and all the girlfriends of the players are going absolutely ballistic because he had a ring on right? like he's yeah, rude yeah. he was an Adonis and he's just oh, he's in his glory right? he's absolute in his glory and um, then when it came to the vote obviously the girls voted for Sonny hands down Hands down, it's sunny. <laughs> but um, that was the type of, you know, individual he was. Um, I'd always get a training early and Sonny was always there before everybody. And he'd be on the computer because he didn't have Wi-Fi at home. Yeah, so he'd be free Wi-Fi looking everything up, uh, <laughs> training, uh, giggling to himself on all of the, you know, all the little movies or whatever that you watch. Yeah just cracking up by himself and I'd be sitting there laughing at his laugh. But beautiful. <laughs> and that's why he's so sadly missed, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, 09, we didn't fire a shot that year and we had Sonny's name on our chest and his number and we were playing for him, but it was sort of embarrassing in how he played. Um, but I think there was a 60-minute story at the end of the year 
and money was on there and they brought up a question. They were talking about everything uh, for the year and then <clears throat> um, Manu's laughing, you know, and he's got his gold teeth and just infectious laugh. And then the lady asked him a question about the loss of Sonny. What impact did it have on, on you and the group? And Manu just lost it, you know, like he was, yeah. you know, it was not coming out of his nose and he's just uncontrollably lost it. And I just looked at that interview and I just thought, wow, like there's so many things that we actually didn't understand. We all struggled with it, but yep. deep down, you know, we are all like, absolutely devastated. And it didn't matter what we did or what we tried to do. It couldn't get us out of that place. Um, and it took the club really two years. 2011 made the grand final in yeah. all grades. Um, that's how long it sort of took. And I'm not saying we got over Sunny then, but we sort of... There were some changes, you know. Learned to deal with it. Learned to deal with it. Um, and he still remembered the 5th of January every every year, you know, and that just typifies him. He hadn't done anything over the, the sort of 10 days that we had over the Christmas break and he was worried about his skin folds when we went back. So he went to Bethel's the night before we started back at training. And you just go, oh, Sonny, that's not going to make any difference, man. You know, but that was just the way he thought and, um, yeah. For me, the most um, memorable thing or yeah, about that time period was I can remember they interviewed you on um, on television and yeah. the, you, you were trying very hard to keep it together in that interview uh, and you were still talking about him in the present tense and yeah. they actually asked you, Oh, you know, why Why are you talking about him in the present tense? And you said, because, you know, as far as we're concerned, that he's going to be found, he's still here. But, um, yeah. yeah, that, that I mean, I, we've kind of jumped away from from what we were talking about before, but that that period at the club must have been a very tough period for you um, to, to go through uh, as the captain of the club. Like, you went through that, that salary cap breach at the Bulldogs. You went through the, the whole Port Macquarie thing at the Bulldogs. Um, you started the, the 2006 season where they docked four points, yeah. um, you know, as annual captain of the club. But this was probably the most, uh, the, probably the hardest thing that you had to navigate through um, because yeah, of the well, surrounding it. And the, and the hard thing was there was nothing that we could do that could change anything. No. Um, you know, and Ivan was, Ivan was uh, amazing and it really hurt him too. I, I suppose the hardest bit was um, just before we broke up, before Christmas that year, uh, so 2008. Um, so we went up to, um, right up Cape Rianga up that way. It wasn't Cape Rianga, but it was up up that way. And um, we had a three or four day camp up there just before we broke up. So when we came back, we actually broke up. And um, yep. yeah, that, that camp was amazing. And <clears throat> Ivan asked us to write things down and uh, he, he actually told, told us, I think it was the end of the 2009 season, that something that not haunted him but, you know, just really sort of sat with him was we had to write all this stuff down and what we were going to do as an individual um, for the team. Yep. And um, 
Sonny said, I think his answer was, um, be the, I want to be, I want to leave a, I want to leave a legacy. I think that's what Sonny's answer was. I want to leave a legacy by what I do this year. And now obviously he didn't get to um, to do that to, no. to come back in the preseason, yeah, uh, in January. So it's um, yeah, I I actually got a tattoo after that happened, and um, it's a sleeve. It's right up there, all the way down, and. Um, anyway, Sonny's uh, sort of a big reason why I got it, uh, why I thought I should get one. Yep. Uh, I wanted something to sort of represent him and so I'd never forget him and that type of thing. And then my wife brought up a really good point. There's a lot of special people in my life that aren't, you know, alive currently, but are still present, you know, the way I think of them. And, yep. um, yeah. She sort of said, why don't you have something that represents that? And Sonny's a part of that. So I went and saw a guy in New Zealand um, and he did actually the Once for Warriors tattooing. Oh, yeah. Movie. Yeah, Inia, Inia Taylor. And um, anyway, it took 24 hours to do this tattoo. I went three Sundays in a row over the February yep. after Sonny went missing. Um uh, eight-hour sort of sessions, and during the whole time, you speak to a person, you know, a lot about a lot, eight hours, and he explained all the different patterns and representations and different things, and it's my story and all of that. Um, and I've got a turtle that represents the spiritual side, and the turtle is set in Polynesia. There was, you know, man made a commitment with the sea. That if, um, if the land took something special from the ocean, it would give something special from the land yep. back to the ocean. And um, Inia told me that they won't ever find Sunny. And I could never understand that. Anyway, my tattoo finished. And on the Monday after he finished my tattoo, he rang me early in the morning and he said, you're not going to find Sunny, mate. And I go, okay, so how do you know that? And he goes, there's been a turtle just washed up on Muriwai Beach which is sort of one of the beaches not far from Bethel's and it's the way the current goes. Yep. And he goes, you know, the ocean has taken something very special from the land yep. and this yeah. turtle is a very old turtle, a big old turtle that is, you know, it's come up onto the beach and it's died. And he said, that is, that is the answer that you're not going to find it. And the centrepiece of my tattoo was a turtle and the turtle was the one that washed up the next day after I finished my tattoo and we've never found Sonny's body. No. And the turtle's pretty big in the Polynesian culture too, so. It is. Um, yeah. I was worried about it being, being like a plastic kiwi by getting this tattoo. And in here explained it in a really good way. He goes, it's like buying Chinese, mate. You don't have to be Chinese to eat Chinese. And I go, oh, okay. He goes, you know the story. It, rep it's, it represents your journey. That's right. You know, I've got Celtic, which is, you know, I've got Scottish, English, and Welsh heritage. So that's the underlying. I've got Indigenous, which is my Australian side. Um, and I've got Tongan, Samoan, and, and Māori with yep. all of my 
you know, interactions obviously with living in New Zealand and all of the different, you know, the waves and the shark's teeth and the mooka, you know, the, the kurus and all of that. Um, yeah, I got four kurus on, on my uh, turtle, which is my grandparents yep. and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's another, I suppose, reflection on my time in New Zealand and how special it was. I love that. I, I just love how candid and yeah. how, yeah, how how deep and emotional you are about this. It kind of makes all the football stuff seem insignificant, you know. Second, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's what got me there, right? So, yeah. you know, um, people talk about making decisions and and the things that are unknown or unseen or or not expected, and the life experience. And we've got friends there forever, um, yeah. lifelong friends that. We'll go back there and, and our kids have as well, which, you know, we couldn't have prayed for a better result. Absolutely. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, that's a fantastic story. Love, love to hear that yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, the, the comments that are coming through just as you're speaking, the stuff that I'm reading here, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the stuff that we don't expect to hear. Um, right. you know, we get guys on here and, you know, they chat about their careers, but, um, and we say it every time we have a live guest on. Each, each time we have a guest on, we learn something uh, you know, incredible that we didn't know beforehand. And yeah, these stories just really make these. Interviews. I think um, one of the cool things, mate, is like everyone sees what you do on the footy field. Yeah. And so everyone knows that and it's, you know, it's on Google or, you know, whatever. Um, but then there's all of these other experiences. Like I know the first time I was welcome onto a Marae, you know, um, that blew me away. Um, we went down to Wairu. Um, to the army barracks and I couldn't train um, what the boys were doing but uh, we got welcome on the Marai and then learning all of the stuff like no shoes inside and it's yep. a whole spiritual thing and, and there was actually a passing while we were there of one of the um, army guys' kids oh okay I think he committed suicide so it was a really really sad time so we had to actually leave the Marai because the body was going to be there and, you know, to actually get that type of experience <coughs> of being welcome onto the Marae. And I remember looking at these three 11-year-old kids who who did the huck out more passionately than I've ever seen it done, I think, in my whole life. And I've just gone, my God, it means so much yeah. to these yeah. kids that they're welcoming other people, like strangers or visitors, onto their... Their land, yep. so proud and passionate about their land and about being able to do that. And it just it was such an amazing way to be welcomed, not only to New Zealand, but you know, my first experience um, it was a lot better than walking around the field. And the other experience I had, put it that way, with <laughs> <laughs> Sunny Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> of course. I almost feel Feel strange going back to talking about footy now because oh no uh, yeah <laughs> yeah no that, that, no no that's, no that's don't don't apologise we, we really appreciate you yeah. sharing that with us that that's amazing it's like mind blowing to hear all that that kind of cultural experience that um you know you probably weren't expecting um going over there but um yeah no, no thank you for sharing that with us we we, we love hearing this kind of thing. Absolutely, um, we do. We, we always said that you should have been the recruitment manager for the Warriors. 
because you obviously loved your time over there and you you sort of um, debunked the myth that when Australians go over to the Warriors and that that's, you know, the end of the career. Retirement fund. Yeah, yeah but you see, you seem to love your time at the club and, and you, you, yeah, you I was stayed really there good. for 13 years. So, yeah. um, and I think, I think it's a little bit of the attitude you go with. If you go there sort of saying, I'm going to be here for two years and then I'm, I can't wait to get back to Australia, I think that's going to be, um, you know, I think one of the other cool things was um, actually when Brent signed at the Warriors, um, I'd played against him a number of times and I got to play with him for Queensland and Australia, but when he actually moved over to New Zealand with his wife and, and young family, uh, it, was, it was awesome to spend almost every day with him. You yeah. know, um, as I said, I knew him since he was three years old. Uh, I went to the Bulldogs when he was, I think, 10. So he was only a young kid, aspiring NRL player, but, you know, making all the rep sides, but still had a long way to go. And um, then to come over and play every week with your, with your brother-in-law uh, was really, really cool. And, you know, we'd be at his house or he'd be at our house and we got so, so much closer um, and he he enjoyed it because we'd been there for a year or two. You know, we'd been there a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So he he enjoyed being welcomed in the way he did because we knew where to go and, and and all that sort of stuff. And we knew a lot of people as well. So that really helped him and, and his family. But um, it's really, if you ever talk to Brenos, it's really special to him as well, his time in New Zealand. Um, and... Yeah, he, he's similar scenario. He just wanted to get back to being closer to family. Otherwise, he would have still been there too, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, um, I don't know. I, I just, I got a first-hand uh, realisation of how well New Zealand does on the, on the world stage. Yeah. Um, you know, I went to this conference. They still have them. And it's basically Kiwis doing well overseas. What is it? What is it, Joey? The Kia Awards. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're every year. And when you go to them, you're basically um, getting connected with all these people. And some of them are like the CEO of Nike in, in yeah. America. And they're Kiwis. Or yeah. they're at Microsoft. Or like they're absolutely super talented. Um, and you know, like the, the unfortunate thing for New Zealand, I suppose, is that there's so much talent away from New Zealand that are Kiwis instead of being in New Zealand. Yeah. But uh, the other things too that you don't realize until you're there is that it's sort of the place where they test everything because yep. it has such that diverse sort of demographic and it's a, a good population size. So, like the ATM and the cafes and and all of that sort of stuff was all started in New Zealand first, you know. Um, and you sort of talk about it like, like as though you're a proud Kiwi, <laughs> you know, which, which I was, you know, super proud of everything that they were doing um, over there. And, um, yeah, you sort of support the All Blacks when they're not playing the Wallabies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and all the other New Zealand teams, um, the Silver Ferns when they're not playing you know, the, the diamonds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was truly cool, mate. Um, and then to get 
uh, invited to be the, the Australian representative for the All Golds. I was just going to ask you about that. Yeah, that was. Yes. Uh... I never really did the haka too much when I was in New Zealand, and I got reinstated in 07 back in the Aussie side. We played the Kiwis in Wellington and I thought I can't sort of race off and hang out with Rubes in the week leading up to a test match against him to learn the haka because yeah. I'm going to be playing straight after the game and go to England. Yeah. So I didn't. And um, anyway, we won pretty well that day uh, in Wellington. I think um, Steve Maddow got sent off and yeah, um, we won by 50 or something. I even scored a try that day. But I had to leave really early in the morning with the boys that we just beaten yep. on the, to England for 24 hours. How long it takes to get to England? Yeah. It was a pretty pretty quiet sort of plane ride. But anyway, I got to England and we got um, sort of a, a cab to the uh, bus to the hotel. And then Bailey Mack, he was our um, cultural advisor. So he had to teach me the haka. So I felt like the wiggles, I'm doing the words and then I'm doing the actions. Yeah. I had sort of 20 minutes on each <laughs> and I had to get dressed up and on the bus to the um, the High Commission, the New Zealand High Commission, you know, representative. And then we're on our way to Buckingham Palace to do the uh, haka in front of the Queen. Queen. Buckingham <laughs> Palace. That's right, yeah. Oh, that was the first time I'd actually properly done the haka. <laughs> <laughs> Baptism of fire right there. <laughs> Just a, I love my cup of teas, and we just had a cup of tea with the Queen and um, and the Prince and, you know, Philip. Um, and, oh, my God, then we had to do the hucker, and I was so nervous. And Rubes has lost his voice. He's that into it. And all the boys, Nigel Wagner and all the boys ripped in, and that was amazing. But um, when we finished, the Queen sort of, you know, we went back to the, the Queen and said, oh, what do you think? And she said, oh, that was incredible. It's the first time the Huckers ever been done in Buckingham Palace. And then um, she said, but you you were a little bit different to the other guys. <laughs> said, oh, yeah, I'm Australian. <laughs> I could tell that was something a little bit different. But um, they've got like 200 staff at Buckingham Palace and they're pretty much made up of New Zealanders and Kiwis. Oh, really? Yeah, right. They're all like watching on the staircases above us. With the Corkies and Prince, <laughs> Philip, Prince Philip and the Queen were watching us while we're sort of down in the entry as you walk into where they go, you know, um, into this huge sort of halls on the other side of the wall. But we're in that area where we did the hucker and these stairs come from where they came down. And there's all these Kiwis and Aussies standing around like, you know, um, just looking at, the guys doing the haka, it was, it was incredible. Um, and then to play the game, we had to do the haka at Leeds train station because that's where it was done 100 years ago. Oh, okay. So, um, I was standing next to Tommy Tupo, uh, Gary Tupo. Yeah, yeah. Um, Craig Eastwood, I think, was going to lead this one. And so he was doing the slap in the legs. And he goes, ah, and I thought it was going to go, ah, Kamati like that. So I started going Kamati and I started doing the accent. And he did me went, ah, and he did something else. Stitch up. He's standing beside me. He lost it. He's trying to do the hunger. And he couldn't because I'm rattled by then because I just, like, I was the second time I've done the hunger. And I was oh, no. bad. 
luckily I was in the back row. And yeah. But it's peak hour, Leeds train station. <laughs> and we did it before the game. And then we did it after the game. Because uh, Stace, it was Stace's last game. Stacey's That's last right, it was too, yeah. yeah. So four times I've done a hacker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say I've got better at it, but um, yeah, I, I I got a full appreciation of what it actually means. Um, whilst I wasn't doing it the way the other boys were, I actually get a real understanding now of being an opponent. I was a, the opponent of it, you know, many yeah. times, at least ten times, and I'd always look at. Um, you know, Brent Webb or Stacey, because I wouldn't look at wouldn't look at rooms. I wouldn't look at <laughs> I was like, Luke, they're intimidating, man. That scared the shit out of you. I'd always look at Stacey because I'd always start giggling looking at Stacey, or I'd look at Brent Webb because I'm like, you're an Aussie, you're like, you can't do the hacker. Yeah. So I'd look at him. I'd just keep on contact with him. But um once I actually did it, then um I'd look at Isaac Luke or you know you know, whoever it might have been, or I know do do it really, really, really passionately because I understood what it means, you know, how important yeah. it is. But I actually get energy from that, which I sort of switched it around instead of it being a, a negative, a hard thing to know what to deal with. I actually took it as being a positive way to, you know, go into a game. Well, yeah. you're... Your Warriors club form leading up to 2007, um, there was there was a clear um, improvement in the performance. So 2005 was a bit of a disappointing finish to the season. Uh, 2006, obviously, we had the salary cap, the docking of the points, which put us a negative. But we we had actually had a pretty good season in 2006. Yeah, we missed out by four. Just missed yeah. out by four to <laughs> Parramatta. Um, yeah, yeah and, and and you yourself had a really good season that year as well. And then and then we built. We built into 2007 because there was um, we built off that strong finish, and um, yeah. 2007, you know, obviously we make it back to the finals again for the first time in a few years. And um, yeah. you, speaking of tries, you 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 you're a bit of a try machine in 2007. The first two rounds, you get you get meat pies, and then you yeah. score you score. Seriously, you're going to have to hand in your uh, membership to the front rowers club. Because you score one of like a fifty meter try against Newcastle. Yeah, um, you've got <laughs> to remember got to, that try. I thought I got to seventy meters. No, <laughs> there was a chip and chase in it as well. I think as well, wasn't there? Uh, you know what? The only thing that was going my way that time was Steve. Steve Stimson was was chasing. Yeah, was, that's right. all, all the wingers and that thought. I think. I think they thought he was going to get me. They didn't even worry about it. But um, yeah, that was. I was a bit tired after that. I think I actually went straight off after that. I couldn't couldn't play on. But all I remember after I scored that try, I got replaced and I walked up to the bench and Rubes was there and he just hugged me and I just I almost collapsed on him. Um but yeah, that was a that was a pretty phenomenal year that year. Um and then you know, I think was it the Cowboys that beat us? Um, yeah. Townsville, Townsville heat, um, and they made us wear the black jerseys. We had to wear the black jerseys. Yeah. See that 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 was really hard for me, right? Um, I used to get a bit upset about that whole thing. Um, we we did our captains run the day before at the same time we played. Yeah. It was a beautiful breeze, and it was a nice, really nice day. And the boys are going, "Oh, sweet as it's going to be like this. We're beautiful. That's awesome." Anyway, we get to Townsville. Uh, we get to the ground on game day. And it was hot. It was real hot. And there was no breeze. 
And when we got there, even the supporters, we're walking through the supporters and they're all going, oh my God, how hot is it? <laughs> I just said all of our boys like humming like and they go, oh bro, it's so hot. And I go, no. Oh, and then this whole thing about wearing the black jersey, I'm going, it's just material. It doesn't make it <laughs> Like it's actual Coolmax. Like it's made of Coolmax. Like, so it's called Coolmax. But anyway. It's a psychological uh, advantage. Oh, yeah. And, and then when we went out to warm up, like they almost did like a tunnel for us. And as we're walking through the tunnel, everyone's just going, oh, God, it's hot. <laughs> I'm just trying to play this head game with us. And by the time we got back in after the warm up, the boys, are, they're gone. I'm just going, oh, like it's, it's hot today and the boys aren't going to be able to handle it. We were never going to win that game then. We were Michael, never destined to win that game. Yeah. When, we, when we spoke to Michael Lark about that, he said he was filthy that they made us wear the black jerseys that day. Oh, it's honestly, oh, I'm surprised I can't <laughs> say because of all, of all people, he should know it doesn't matter what color you wear, mate. <laughs> oh, it's just material. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not going to make you hotter. The, the week make- before that, though, the, the home semi-final that we got because we finished in fourth spot in 2007 that must have been massive for the club at the time having that home semi-final against the eels that night yeah it was mate and and i was a real disappointment we had so many opportunities to win that game mm-hmm. um and that would have that would have really propelled us towards where we should have been um, by losing that game we lose our home ground advantage and we you know and we've got to play the cowboys in townsville and Sort of boom, boom out, but um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was it was such a big night. Like the crowd was massive. It was a really big game, and I think this isn't bad against Logs. But the only thing I remember is Logan Swan late in the game dummying to was it Kirky? Was it Aiden Kirk on the Aiden wing? Aiden Kirk on the wing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Someone was on, it might have been Skinny Burns. Someone was on the wing and he dummied to him and he got held up or he got dragged down on. It would have been a dead set try and we would have won the game. But anyway, I'm not blaming Lakes. No, 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 no. no. Like, no we've I'm, all been doing that for years, so you don't have to. Yeah, we, we've been doing it. <laughs> it's a bit of that. Okay. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Mate, going into 2008, um, we'll fast forward. We, we finish in the top eight. We scrape into into the top eight, finishing eighth, and we have to travel to Melbourne to play the the minor premiers in Melbourne. Um, we've heard some quite a few stories from Michael Luck and, and Michael Witt about the build up to this game. How confident were you guys going into the game? Obviously, with that McIntyre system, having to play the the might of the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne. Yeah, well, Melbourne had a really good home record uh, during that period, especially they called it the graveyard but at uh, Olympic Park. And um, we we had probably the best or the most success out of any of the NRL teams down there. Yeah. And as I said to you before, we, we talked about our weather. Um, you know, this is our weather. Well, that was what Melbourne was like. And when we played in Melbourne, we always got a lot of – there was a lot of Kiwis in Melbourne. So there was always very high support in Melbourne. So it was almost like a home game anyway. Um, yep. And we did really love playing Melbourne. Like the Warriors loved to play in Melbourne. I don't know why, but just love playing against the Storm. I think obviously because they got such a good team 
and um, so many Kiwis played for Melbourne too, Matty Ruhr and yep. Journey yeah, and right. you know, yeah. and all of them. So there was a whole heap of that too. So we were confident and everyone had written us off because Melbourne were unbeatable in Melbourne. So uh, that was a good thing for us. Did we say anything about what was said to him after the... No, I was just going to ask you, what did you say? What did you say to Wit after that try? After that try, I was yelling. I think I was back on the like the fifty. I was yelling from there, like seriously, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just putting the clock down. I said, putting the clock down doesn't matter if you don't score it. God love him. That was an amazing try and. And a, an amazing sort of half year. We we started the year pretty yuck as yep. we were yep. good at doing. You know, we usually win one of our first five, and then we get to halfway in the year round Origin time, and then we go on a run. And I think we won ten out of twelve. Yes, ten out of our last twelve to sneak into the semis. Sneak in, yeah, literally and, on points uh, differential, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, to play Melbourne and Melbourne, we couldn't wait. Yeah, that was a bonus for us. And to play Melbourne, we love playing Melbourne. And, um, yeah, we went really good. And, mate, the week, that was, an, that was a memorable week, my Warriors time. The week after that was another memorable week because how much airtime the butcher was getting that whole week. Oh, yeah. Want to sell the ground, like sell the ground out, wanted to sell out. And then the big photo of him with the sellout sign, you know, outside of Mount Smart. He loved that. Um, and it was amazing, as I said to you, walking around for the coin toss. And I think we were down, were we down about 10 or 12 nil early? Yeah, 13-6 at half time it was. Yeah. yeah, we were down pretty early. We were down, I think it was like 10 nil after 15 minutes or yeah, something. they got a couple of quick tries, a penalty. Yeah, early, and then yeah. we're able to sort of, like, fight back a little bit. I just remember, I think it might have been off a scrum and um, Sammy Parrott made a break and I was able to be one of the players. I wasn't the only, but one of the players to drag him down. And uh, that was only because I broke out of the scrum quickly. (laughs) 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 It wasn't because I was fast. But, um, yeah, that was incredible. And then, obviously, the week after, we came up against Manly, who... Um, they they timed their run really well. It was like playing them week one of the comp. They were fresh as a daisy. They were well prepared, and they did a job on us. Like we were, I think that sort of thirteen to fourteen week period had caught up with us. Um, you know, and and they were next level manly, and they obviously went on and did the same job mm-hmm. to Melbourne in the grand final. So. We obviously hadn't taken any cast blood. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but, um, no, it's it's um, they, were, they were really well prepared and they had they had a really good footy team. Um, they rested up. They they used that week really well, and uh, we were battling out with other teams. Um, but it was amazing to get a home semi after we finished eight. Yeah, Th- those yeah. two moments—the Melbourne game and then the game afterwards. I mean the. You know, the Ruben Wiki on Soliola moment, the Selak crowd, oh. the blackout and everything. Those are two of the greatest moments in Warriors history. Like, no, none of us will ever forget that. And it must have been a really proud moment for you to have been. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. and I suppose to see the whole country 
Yeah. He's so much behind the Warriors. You know, I'd, fever, yeah. I'd heard about it um, during the 02. Obviously, I was yeah. at the Bulldogs, mm-hmm. but I'd heard about it. Um, and they were sort of saying, there's no other time other than when the All Blacks are in the World Cup or when there's America's Cup here. Yeah. And I've just gone, oh, okay. And I thought, I hope I get to experience that. And it was incredible. Um, you know, I remember going to other parts of the country after that season and you go down to the South Island and stuff and people would recognise you and want to talk about rugby league and you just go, I've been down here a few times and no one's wanted to talk to me about rugby league at another time. <laughs> Even though you knew what it was. But that's that's how, you know, how empowering, I suppose, the Warriors can be and how passionate Kiwis are about their sporting teams. That, that hit up that Ruben did, where he um, he took out um, Viola, Sparta. Screaming all way. I could hear him on that. Was he screaming Sparta or Spartan or something when he was running? I don't the- know, but he was screaming something. I could hear him on the <laughs> other side of the post. And you know how big the crowd was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, mate. And that was inspirational. Like, yeah. that sort of stuff lifts, you know, everyone. Yeah. I just That's remember even even watching it on TV, the roar when Aiden Kirk takes that intercept at the end there and scores that try. Uh, even yeah. through the TV, like watching it back here in Brisbane, it was just the atmosphere was unreal. Oh man, yeah, Mount Smartful is one of the best places to play footy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mount Smartful and also Belmore Full. Yeah, like the the fans are so passionate and they're so one eyed. It's so good to be on the home team. Um, when you're not on the home team, the best thing you can do is play really, really well and hope they don't play well so the crowd's quiet. Yep. It's deafening, but that doesn't happen much. <laughs> Mate, we, um, we spoke about the Sunny Fire tragedy earlier. Um, yep. Coincident, or, you know, you end up playing your 300th game in that round one game against Parramatta in 2009. Nine, yeah. Um, that must have been a really, um, a day of really mixed emotions for you, especially after what the club had just been through. Yeah, it was. Um, it was something I always dreamt of doing. Like you saw Jeff Gerard do it. I was a Parramatta supporter as a kid. And when I saw him do it, and it was just, wow, how old this guy and how many games he played, you know? And then it became a sort of a big thing. And, when you got that close, um, I would have loved for a Sonny to have been there. You know, that's that would have made it super, super special. But um, I don't know. It might have helped take a little bit of um, a little bit of your mind away from the, the absolute hurt. Yeah. Uh, the family all come over. My mum and my sister and brother and you know. In-laws, they all come over for it. It was, it was a really big celebration for us as a family. And uh, Bobby Linder came over. The club uh, found out he was my idol. So he presented, my jersey. he presented my jersey. What's that? Did they give him some chickens? <laughs> uh, Double know, chips. Yeah. They, yeah. Is there a big rooster in New Zealand? I don't think so. But, um, yeah, so he... Um, he presented my jersey, and that was that was really special. And um, yeah, we won. I think. Yeah, you did. Yeah, we did. I don't know. I don't know whether it was that game. There was a game where Rubes was in doubt. I think it might have been. Oh, 
Uh, Rubes had retired. Rubes didn't play 2009. Yes. Right. Was this last year? Yeah. yeah. yeah you know, I, you know, I, I, I remember this. Rubes had a rib injury and he was trying to play. So he, he um, it was a captain's run and he had to do a fitness test to be cleared to play. Anyway, his fitness test was he had to run, he had to run at someone and tackle him. He had to run at someone and he had to tackle him as well, right? So I was the, the stupid one who was the one who had to be the one to get tackled and run. And so I'm running with a pad for him to hit me and he's gone and hit me and he sort of flicks the outside of my finger oh. and broke a bone in my hand. Oh. And I've, just, I've gone, oh, and Rubes has gone, oh, I'm sweet ass. And then the doctor goes, yeah, you're good to play, mate. And I'll go, oh, I think I just broke my hand. No. And then the doc's gone, what? And I said, I think I just broke my hand. I said, oh, I felt something crack and it's not real good. Anyway, he looked at it. He goes, yeah, I think you have. And luckily I was on the outside. So I just iced it all night and he just jabbed it. And I got a brace and wore a brace. So yeah, it's better on the outside because the brace sort of keeps it there, it clicks, oh, yeah. but keeps it there. You can't feel it. it's you know, a needle. But um, if it's in the middle, it's a lot harder because it moves up and down all the time. When you Anyway, yeah, I remember that. That must have been 08. Um, yeah, during 08. I, I didn't miss a game, neither did Rubes. So we, we're both lining up to get the needles before games. <laughs> and he's getting it because uh, he just, he's just crazy self. But. It's 2009, though, keeping up with your try-scoring feats that we've been talking about all night. I was at a game at Brisbane against the Broncos where you, you uh, jumped through double. the air and caught a – you got tried double that day. Yeah. And you yeah. jumped through the air and plucked the bomb and um, scored a try. I'll never forget that. Thought you yeah, so, day or something. <laughs> so um, I'd only just come on the field. Like I'd been off and I just came back on and Stace put a bomb up. So I'm fresh as a daisy and I just followed through. And poor old Josh Hoffman, I think it was his first or second game at fullback and a 36-year-old front row was jumped above him and caught it, <laughs> <laughs> caught it over him. You thought you were mining. Uh, <laughs> apparently the boys, the Broncos boys, absolutely give it to him. Um, for the rest of the year, like you know, you got out jumped by a 36 year old front row, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was I think that was the only time I ever scored a double in a game. That is, I, I scored a double in an origin, but they bloody disallowed it, yeah, 2007. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, that's right. So I was a bit, bit cranky about that, um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. I, unfortunately, we lost the game in scoring yeah, a double, but we still lost sorry. the game. Um, which it wasn't, it wasn't that good, but it was always pretty good playing at um, Seabus against oh, yeah. the Titans because uh, we'd always have a lot of New Zealand supporters, yeah. three quarters Warriors yeah. and one quarter Titans, and then at Suncorp it'll be three quarters Warriors and one quarter Broncos, um, and then in Melbourne as well. So you get some parts of Sydney that were a bit like that, but mainly those sort of places. Certainly, the New Zealand supporters, or you know, New Zealand citizens who live in Australia, getting behind the Warriors, um, really, really helped. It was it was really cool. Was it ever uh, like conflicting emotions whenever you played against the Bulldogs, having spent so many years there? 
Yeah, um, the first couple of times I played, and then after that, I was injured nearly every time we played him. Um, it was it was it was very different the first time, um, and then after the first time, I was sweet as. Yes, but I think yeah. I think say if there was eight times I should have played, I think I only played about three, and I think I think when I was at the Warriors, the Warriors you know you beat us every time I played for the Bulldogs, and then when I was at at the at the Warriors, I think the Bulldogs nearly beat us every time I played for the Warriors. Yeah, they had the wood over us for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was always a little bit um, sort of confused. I'm obviously a Queenslander and I moved to Sydney. So when I played for Queensland in Queensland, all the Queensland supporters loved me. But when I was in New South Wales playing for Queensland, all my Bulldogs supporters hated me. Yeah. When I played for the Bulldogs. In Sydney, they loved me, but when I was playing for the Bulldogs in Queensland, they didn't love me. No. I went to the Warriors, and I was playing for the Warriors in New Zealand. That was cool. And when we were in Australia, some places it was cool and some places it wasn't. Then I was playing for Australia in New Zealand, and it wasn't as cool. And then when I was <laughs> playing for Australia in Australia against the Kiwis, it was, it was cool. But I've got to say, um, it was pretty cool one testing at Mount Smart. Um, I was on the field before we did the national anthem and they announced my name and the crowd went nuts and it was the first yeah. time I'd ever heard. Um, any New Zealand crowd goes, yeah. Yeah, crazy yeah. for an Aussie player. So that was pretty cool. And they also went nuts for Brenos. Uh, went for yeah. Dady as well. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty special um, how people, you know, welcomed us and, and looked after us. And, and then to get... Um, um, nominated for the New Zealand, you know, um, order of merit. Yeah. yeah, like it blew me away. I thought when I received the letter, I thought I was one of the boys gearing up. So I rang up the number that was on the letter, and it was the Beehive, like it's Wellington. <laughs> and I'm just sort of saying, I've just got this letter, and I'm just ringing up to see whether it's true or it's false. And then um, she goes, Oh no, yep, someone's nominated you, and would you like to? You know, accept it, and I go, oh wow, this is amazing! Like I'm blown away, you know. Um, so yeah, I accepted it, and it was a, an incredible. Mum come over, and my wife and kids were there. We we're at um, government house in Auckland, and I uh, had a whole ceremony. And I was pretty embarrassed, but because I'm sitting there and I'm beside all these people who have been, you know, in community work, like volunteering for 40 years. Yeah. Just blown in in five minutes. I've been there six years, <laughs> getting an, a you know an, a, an award or recognition for contribution to rugby league, and I'm going. And these guys are absolute legends, and I'm sitting beside them. So, but it was really really cool, and the whole process and ceremony and and recognition was was very very special. Mate, you play down your role as an Australian for what you did for rugby league in New Zealand. It was. Like, you know, as we said, it was a massive signing for the club when they signed you. And then the way you led our club through those um, seasons that you were there and, and captained us, it's it's no surprise that someone nominated you for such a prestigious award. It's um, oh, it's always you. been renowned that, mate, you're, you're the New Zealand's most favourite Australian. It's, um, it's always been that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I um, had my testimonial, I, I wanted to invite the two prime ministers 
and Kevin Rudd was the Prime Minister of Australia at the time. So I invited him and he said, I'd, I'd love to come. We've just got to obviously see as it gets closer. And um, John Key, Prime Minister of New Zealand, yep. straight away he replied and he said, absolutely, I'll be there. And I, um, Kevin ended up getting sort of overturned before it. So Julia sort of overthrew him. Yep. Um, yep. And Julia sort of said no, that she wasn't going to come over, which is fine. Um, and John John attended, and I just thought he'd sort of be there, show his face and go. He was there for the whole the whole lot, which blew me away. And he actually did a speech, and that's when he said what you just said. Um, and I, I was balling. I, I couldn't believe that the Prime Minister of New Zealand actually said that about me, you know. Um, I, I wanted Ray Warren to be my MC. Um, Ray sort of said, the only way I'm going to do it, mate, is if there's a Channel 9 game on Friday night in New Zealand. And so he's known how hard that is going to be, right? Oh, I'm on to David Gallup, like week <laughs> one. I'm going, we're playing the Broncos. I need the Broncos versus Warriors Friday night on this date. And, you know, David sort of said, oh, we've got to wait for the TV and all that. He ended up um, confirming it earlier than what it normally gets confirmed that it was, right? So then raising the shit because he doesn't like flying. He hates flying. Yeah, that's right. He's sort of going, oh, yeah, okay, yep, no worries. It's getting closer and closer. He pulled out two weeks before it. He oh. goes, I seriously can't do it, mate. So then we're trying and trying and trying to find who we could get. And in the Queensland team, Mallard brought in different people to be managers, team managers and stuff. And one of them was Ian Healy. And I got to know oh, yeah. Heels really yeah, well. Yeah. So I rang Heels and I said, Heels, mate, would you do me the honour and be my MC for my testimonial? And he goes, I would love to do it. And he came over and I thought, how great, because everyone that's there will know him because of cricket. Cricket, and yep. Legend, and the Kiwis would, you know, think highly of him because there was a pretty good period of Australian cricket that he was a part of. Yeah. yeah. And he just started straight away unleashing on the whole Kiwi thing. Oh, and, really? Uh, everyone, but everyone was laughing their heads off, right? Talking about, you know, the old um, underarm bowl and over oh, yeah. <laughs> and all the stuff. So he got everyone, he got everyone in, the, in the mode. But Rabs did a little video um, cross, but John Key was outstanding. He actually did a half an hour chat. Um, oh, sorry, a speech. Um, in my testimony, it was incredible. Yeah, it's loved, really cool. loved by the country, Absolutely. mate. Um, just going back to footy, in just that 2010 season, you end up with a, a bit of a heel injury, I think it was, which ultimately keeps you out for the se- whole season and forces you into retirement. Um, must have been a disappointing way and a frustrating way to finish what was such a wonderful footy career. Yeah, it was. It was. Um... I hated missing games. So what I did at the end of um, 2009, I had this heel injury for two years. So before every game, I'd have to get a, um, have to get a, what do you call it, to deaden it? Needle, anaesthetic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Into my heel. Yep. Before every game. And so that would really hinder my training um, because, you couldn't walk for a couple of days after the game and then you'd get right to be able to play again. And then when it was origin, it was even worse um, to be able to back up for the Warriors. So I sort of went and saw our doc and I said, 
like I was going to retire in 2010. So that I was going to retire one more year. And I wanted to have a really good year. And I wanted to get this operation so that I wasn't dealing with that every week. So what they did was cut some bone because they said that soft bone had grown. So my bursa was always irritated. So that's yep. what the pain was. So um, they cut the bone away to try and reduce the irritation on the bursa. So when they did that, that all went successful. But then I got golden staff. So then um, I had to have another operation to cut away all the, obviously, golden staff ate away some of the bone and there was scar tissue in there, so they cut that away. And then I tried to come back again and then um, tore all the scar tissue and all that. And then I was never going to be able to play. I was out for another eight weeks or something. So then I had another operation and then just announced that I retired. It was really hard because my whole career, if a doctor said I'd be out for eight weeks, I'd want to be back in four weeks. Yeah. Um, and every time I tried to get back early, it'd make it worse. And that really, really, I really struggled with that. And um, so 2010 was one of the worst years of my career, but it was also the best year in another way because I think if I had played that whole year and had a good year, then I probably would have wanted to play again. It sort of finalised it for me. And you see so many guys play too long. And some people might say that I did. You know, my body was telling me that I did. But but, but you had the form just, on the field. No one gets golden stuff, you know, meaningly. Yeah. So it was just a freak thing that happened at the hospital. That stuff happens all the time. Um, I reflected on my career. I was lucky to have got the games I got. Adding those games on makes it look better. But at the end of the day, I was blessed to have had the 16 or 17 year career I had and um, all the people that have been a part of it um, were really, really special, right from family right through to friends and, you know, teammates and opponents and the whole bit. Um, You know, I I loved every moment of it. So, um, yeah, a little bit scary in retirement, I suppose, when you're talking about this whole CTE and, and things like that, um, I did get knocked out a lot. And, um, you know, you're sort of seeing the studies that they're doing. It's something that we won't find out until after. Yep. Um, they're trying to do a whole lot of stuff to find out before. But um, I was a part of a study at Newcastle University where I did some testing Um and then I've got to go back and do more after so many years. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't change a thing in my career. I, I loved every moment of it. Um, even the stuff that I learned, we talked yep. about the origin. Yep. Um, got to learn those the hard way sometimes. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how I end up in years to come. But... Uh, I was aware of it when I started. So, you know, I knew uh, I'd looked after myself as best I could. I went to the chiropractor at least once a week, sometimes twice, sometimes three times if I was playing Origin, and that was my maintenance. Um, I know that your life lasts a lot longer than your rugby league career, so I wanted to make sure that my life after footy was going to be as good as it could be. Um, Yeah, not knowing what we're learning now at the time is... A bit scary, but 
I can't do anything about it now, and I'm glad that they're doing the stuff they're doing now. Yeah, the future players, um, yep. particularly with so many women playing now and at such a high level. Um, you know, I'd hate to see any woman have some of the scenarios of the guys that we've seen with dementia and you know Parkinson's and um, made a neuron and yep. all these things that are sort of connected back to being knocked out, you know, a lot yeah. and just staying on the field. So, yeah, I don't want to go on a down buzz, but yeah, <laughs> oh, that's uh, the yeah. other side of what we do. Yeah, exactly. It is. Post, post footy though, was there ever a pathway discussed with you to get into coaching with the Warriors? No, no, there wasn't. I suppose one thing that I'm a little bit disappointed about myself, the reason why I did my MBA was, was to be in more administration. I wasn't wanting to be a coach, but when I was in New Zealand, after I retired, my wife and the principal at Mags, at Mount Albert Grammar, convinced me to coach. And I absolutely, I, I had a ball. I coached the first yeah. 13 at Mount Albert Grammar and we, we made the national final. We got beaten by Kelston. Um, and then the team that I had was Satili Tupanua. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was in my side and Nathaniel Roach. Um, yeah. And in that sort of age group um, was Bunty Afoa and Brad Abbey and all of those sort of guys were playing in that comp. Um, I really, really liked it and sort of got me thinking about, oh, maybe it's something that I do want to do. But I sort of still stuck at the whole administrative type thing. The thing I'm disappointed about is not getting into the club and starting to go through that administrative start, like process. And I, I sort of wish that the NRL identified people that, that were wanting to do that and created a pathway that would be best suited to be, because we do lack leadership in our game at club level. Yep. Um, it's one thing that Wayne Bennett even, you know, he sort of brought up only on the weekend. And I just... I think we've we've got that real tug of war between business savvy and former player or or rugby league savvy, and if you can have the combination of both at a high level, that's that's a massive bonus. So I was wanting to be that. Um, I got my opportunity last year, and it didn't work out, unfortunately. Um, so I had to scratch an itch that I had forever. I was a GM of footy at the Bulldogs. I always wanted to do that role. It was great that it came up at the Bulldogs. Probably timing wasn't right. Um, internal maybe politics. Was, maybe it was just the wrong club, mate. Maybe you needed to be yeah. at the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> internal politics was was really big last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the sad bit about it. But anyway, I, I gave it a go. I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of lessons last year. Um, and I'm not doing it now. It doesn't mean that I won't ever do it, but um, I've actually gone back to my childhood pre-policeman and building. So in March, I um, started my mature age apprenticeship as a carpenter. Beautiful. Welcome to the club. Oh, is that what you are? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so no, absolutely loving it. So, um, and from a mental and a well-being perspective, health-wise, 
uh, really, really good space. Um, I'm training every day. And as you know, it's a very active job. So love being outside, love being up and down ladders and active and um, really, you know, uh, taking off the kilos, getting back to playing weight and feeling good again, um, even though I'm a bit older, but uh, something that I'm passionate about and I'm really, really enjoying. So, and it's a learn. great skill to have, mate. It is. It's a it's a great trade. It is really, really yeah. good. I've always renovated my houses, but I was very good at the demolition part. Yeah. The most expensive part is putting it back together, and I couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you weren't, you weren't one of these guys, though, that would take out walls that were load-bearing, not realise they were load-bearing, and then they'd get uh, I'd yeah. ask the builder. I'd <laughs> ask the builder, and I'd take out absolutely everything I could. <laughs> I'd say, not that wall, i go, okay. So I'd remember that and take out everything else. Mate, um, Sporting Prowess obviously, obviously runs in your family because you've got Jamie playing netball for the Giants and Riley's on a development contract at the Cowboys at the moment uh, for yeah. 2022, 2021, yeah. 2022. Um, you must be proud of the careers that you, your kids are forging in their own um, sports arenas? Yeah, I am, mate. I suppose during my footy career and, and even their uncles, Brent, yep. uh, they saw all the good and the bad. Um, so they were very aware of you know, what they were getting into, I suppose. And you just love your kids to do something they're passionate about. Um, Jamie had, as I was saying before about my school and junior coaches, some great coaches in New Zealand um, who were just outstanding. And she really learned a lot. And and then, you know, to play so young at the um, Waikato Bay of Plenty, yep. drive her down when she was still at school at Mags for training. Um, and then Jules, obviously, Julie, it's Joe went over to coach, um, you know, Magic, and then took JMO over to the um, over to the Giants. So uh, she's loving it, mate. Um, she's doing really well. Yeah, we're really proud of her. She's got a mum's um, netball ability and, and aggression and all of that sort of stuff all in one. So um, she's a great kid. And then Rosie, um, yeah, he's he's learned a lot in New Zealand as well. Uh, yep. Played played restricted, uh, just like Nathan Cleary. Yep. When we're in New Zealand, so many people said, you know, kids in restricted don't make it, but that's that's not true at all. So, you know, I, I don't know what they'll do here in Australia, but I, I reckon it works in New Zealand. Um, and it certainly worked for Riley and it certainly worked for Nathan Cleary. Yeah. yeah. They're not struggling playing against men now. No. Uh, they've been able to mature and become bigger people and still, you know, um, increase their skill set. So Riley's really loving it in Townsville. He started his um, electrical apprenticeship, but yep. uh, now he's full-time training. So he's had to put that on the back burner and, and my second daughter, Case, she's going down the nursing path, but she loves her sport as well. So all very different. Um, and we're a blessed mate in New Zealand. You know, sport's really big there, and the schools that the kids went to were really good sporting schools. So they were able to play sport at a high level and, yeah, um, yeah. and really enjoyed it. And now they're doing it full time. So we're very, very lucky. Casey um, commented on the live feed, mate. She's sent a comment through saying, who's your favourite child and why? <laughs> <laughs> Three of them. As I said to you before, it's like state of origin. 
They're all very. Do special. any of them live at home? Any? I know Case was, but she just moved to Sydney, so Case oh, is yeah. actually oh, okay. dating. Uh, oh, sorry, Melbourne. Case is actually dating uh, Tyson Smoothie. Oh yeah, yeah. from the Melbourne Storm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were up here, and you now they're back down in Melbourne. Um, so she's back down there doing a the nursing, and um, yeah, so. Case is the one that always brings up that question. Everybody, <laughs> our children equally, and uh, yeah. they're all very special in their own way. Is she a middle child by chance? She absolutely is. That's a middle that's child. I, I feel her pain. Yeah. <laughs> she's Joey Junior. Joey's the same. My wife. Yeah, she's a middle child as well, and carries on as well about that. I'm the eldest mate, so I don't know. What you're <laughs> Uh, Pricey, before before we let you go, um, yeah. I'm just going to ask you some quick quick fire questions that we ask of all of our guests. While, yeah. while uh, Hammer here quickly uh, checks out some of the uh, questions from our viewers, who was your toughest teammate? Toughest teammate, oh, I reckon Jonathan Thurston. I reckon to play the way he did, as long as he did at the level he did, I reckon Thursday. Who was the most professional in regards to game preparation? Uh, oh, I'll probably say Tady. Uh, having to come back from four knee reconstructions, I saw what he went through and um, the state of mind he was in. And uh, he's a, well, I call him a cactus, mate. Like he gets cut down, he just keeps growing. <laughs> Can't get rid of him, he's the best. No. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Brent. Interestingly enough, um, the other people who we've asked that question have all nominated you as the that person who's the most professional, most professional in regards to the game. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah mate. Yep. Wow. Yeah. I would never have thought that. <laughs> <laughs> who's the best sledger? Oh, Ricky Stewart. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Ricky Stewart. Oh, I've, I've seen guys run on the field coming off the bench and drop their head after Ricky's given him a spray. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away. Was, yeah. Unbelievable. Who was the biggest pest? Biggest pest. Uh, biggest pest. Uh, you know what? I reckon Michael Ennis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have to be. Yeah, just... I, I used to get frustrated because... Like, he's such a good footy player. And I used to get disappointed with how he used to <laughs> carry on. But that's just how he, that's how he is, right? And Brent says to me, he's such a good bloke. Like, once you meet him, he's the best bloke ever. And I said, oh, I don't want to know him because I only know him as a footballer. And then when I met him, he's such a good bloke. And I'm just going, no, you can't be like a good bloke. No, he can't system. be. No. <laughs> I mean, he, he was, yeah. He, he never got under my skin, but to see someone like Petro and Nathan Hindmarsh lose it, who no one could get under their skin, no one could frazzle them, you just go, he's got to be good at what he does. Correctly. <laughs> who is your toughest opponent? I, I go back to um, when I was younger, it was Glenn Lazarus. Like, I'm a, I'm a bigger body, and if I went high on him, he'd bump you up. Oh, sorry, he'd run over you. And if you went low on him, he'd bump you. Like, his just body shape was so hard to tackle and he was so athletic for a big guy. 
he had so much success as a rugby league player and really skillful and fast. And so I'd say he was probably the toughest. I, I found him hard. Um, and this other one that I was only thinking the other day was um, Steve Kearney, for some reason, oh, yeah. every time I played against Steve Kearney, he would come after me. Yeah. I don't know what I did wrong to him, but he would just be off, he'd give penalties away just to bash me. Like, I don't know what I did. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Joe Vargenau. Joe Vargenau was always hard. We, we, oh, had him, yeah. we had him on a few weeks ago, yeah. And, uh, Joey? Yeah, yeah. Joe Vargenau. Oh, yeah. 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 And, mate, when you talk to him now, he's a big bloody marshmallow. Yeah, oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how could he hurt anybody? Um, who was the best trainer that you played with? Best trainer. Um, well, there's, there's guys who who would do whatever, like get on the grog and be able to back up and train. Um, and then there's others. Ooh. Yeah, that's a hard one. Probably, probably Thursday. He's just really competitive, mate. Yeah. Like, you just couldn't beat him in running because... He just kept on trying to run harder. Yeah. It showed uh, in, his, in the way he played, didn't it? Yeah, he yeah it did. Like, he couldn't breathe. Never, still never gave up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say Thursday. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I have to think about that, but probably Thursday. Okay, awesome. What about the team comedian? Team comedian. There's plenty of blokes who, who wanted to be, <laughs> um, who'd like to be, but there's always guys that, that were funny, um, oh, you know what? The one that I, I really did like was in Origin was Chris Close. Oh, yeah, and he Choppy. Would, yeah. yeah, Choppy. And he would get Shane Webke, Gordon Tallis, and Wendell Saylor, yeah. like throwing Gatorade bottles full and empty at him every bus trip. <laughs> and he would be sitting there in two front seats and Choppy would be on the microphone and they would just be relentless, just pegging stuff, he'd say, duck boys, so we'd be ducking, and they'd be just coming out. I don't know how they didn't hit the bus driver, but <laughs> Choppy would just have the best one-liners and just absolutely give it to all those boys. Um, Queensland legend, Choppy Clark. Jace, Jace Hetherington always had some really, really good yeah. one-liners and real dry. Um, loved telling jokes. Um, yeah, no, that's... Um, then there's other guys that are sort of pranksters. Um, I'm trying to think of. Did you ever play with Nat, Nat Wood, Nathan Wood? No, I didn't, but heard massive stories. <laughs> <laughs> Hippo, yeah. Niven, and. Campo told uh, us a great one last week, yeah. Uh, that mask? Yeah, the, yeah, the mask. Green mask. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, Georgia Gaddis was a bit of a trickster. Yeah, yeah, we heard to, he got mentioned as well, George Gavin. Used to like having a bit of fun. Uh, Lucky, Lucky's got a little bit of a little bit of a kid side to him. Um, yeah, uh, that's probably. <laughs> yeah. What about the worst trainer you played with? Uh, Fletty Matteo. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, him and Chris Nan, Chris Nanu. Yeah, oh. Chris Sandow. <laughs> No, no, Chris and Oh, Chris and Inu. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, the two yeah. blokes we got, we got here 2011, yeah. 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 Got them at the same time. Yeah. yeah. No, those two. Right, mate. 
I'll um I'll scroll through some questions. Which current player do you find exciting to watch? Um, oh, geez, Young Welsh has been pretty good to watch, hey? Hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, the last few weeks. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think. Oh, uh, oh, Isaiah Yo's. Oh, I'm, I'm a real fan of Isaiah Yo. I think his development. He's become a real player, um, real footy smarts. You know, you had Jake Trevojevic and um, uh, Cameron Murray, who, like, before the sort of six-to-go rules, were really killing it skill-wise and, you know, um, defensively and that. But I think this has really brought Isaiah Yo into it and the way that Penrith play. He probably touches the footy just as much as Nathan, yeah. Um, and it's probably just as important as Nathan. Takes a lot of pressure off Nathan, actually. Um, they're the sort of players that I really enjoy. I really liked Sam Burgess when he was at his best. Yep. Um, before he went to rugby. Um, tough, quick, mobile, skillful, mm. outstanding. Um, there's some, some good sort of younger players coming through. Uh, I thought Tino... Started the year really well. Uh, he probably looks like he's struggling a little bit with the, the origin and the week-to-week expectation of mm. you know, back-to-back stuff. I, I, I don't know if he's a middle forward. I think he'd be better on an edge. Yeah. Yeah, well, they certainly didn't buy him as an edge at the, yeah. uh, at the Titans. Um, yeah, I am a real fan of a few, few, fair few other players. I, I can't think of... Ones at the moment, I'm just trying to go through. You know, Isaiah Papali. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's shown yeah. as a sort of a costly release, you know, from the Warriors. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I really enjoy watching the kids like Welsh and those sort of guys. And then and then you obviously, your, your middle forwards, the skill-wise of, of those guys. Um, Tommy's playing outstanding at the moment. Yeah, Tommy's boy, he's a freak, is, isn't he? He's on a different That's planet, um, which is good for Manly, not so good for the Bulldogs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Speaking of the Bulldogs, when the Bulldogs play the Warriors, who do you go for? Uh, it, it's a really hard one. When I was actually at the clubs, obviously, for the club that I was at, yeah. um, since I retired, I go for both teams every week until they play each other and um, now that I'm not employed by the Bulldogs or on the Bulldogs board, I, I just hope the best team wins. Um, yeah. I'd probably sway to the Bulldogs only because I was there longer. Yep. Um, but that's the only reason. Um, and, and I was there from 18 to 30. Yeah. And then 30 to 36 yeah. of the Warriors. But st- both very different experiences and very special experiences. And both clubs are very special to my heart as well as my my family's. Um, my brother stayed a Bulldogs fan. Everyone went to the Warriors, but the Warriors were the second team. Yep. Um, you know, my kids are Warriors and Bulldogs fans. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, um, it's good to have two clubs. I, I, 
I grew up as a bear. I played junior footy for the Bears, and my brother and sister were Manly supporters. And yeah. they used to, they used to come to my uh, footy games dressed in their Manly gear when I was playing for North. So, Arch yeah. Ronalds. <laughs> yeah. Arch Ronalds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you answered this one, but someone's asked, who was your hero growing up? Bobby Lidner. Yeah, Bobby Lidner. Yeah. 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 Uh, what was it's your most Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh, from, oh, yeah. from a leadership perspective. I just yeah. thought what he was able to do during his career career was outstanding. His teams were able to isolate individuals. Yeah. I, I, I've seen a few rugby league teams do that, but not a lot. Um, we, we did a pretty good job at the Bulldogs um, during sort of the 202 to 04, but there were some other teams that were doing it pretty well at the same time. So um, we had a pretty good team also. <laughs> not a yeah. bad bench. You know, Sonny Bill and Thurstow yeah, and Ryan exactly. Tarsian. Uh, your most, what's the most memorable moment in your career? Oh, yeah, it's so hard. I, I sort of go origin and test footy is more of an individual one. Yep. And then obviously your club ones. Um, so I, I'd go <clears throat> the, um, the Storm game, the semi-final for the Warriors. Yep. But the Bulldogs, <clears throat> you know, 95 and 04, were truly amazing nights, but also the O2 game against Brisbane. Yep. Um, um, the Aussie one, I'll probably say the O7 game, whilst we, we beat New Zealand pretty well, that was a really hard slog to get back there. And Ricky was a coach and he he believed in me again. Yep. Well, he believed in me to come back into the team, which felt really special. Um, and then from a Queensland one, I'd probably say that uh, that 2006 game, game two, just yeah. because if we lost that game, that was my last game. It was gone, yeah. Um, yeah. I went and shaved my head because I was pretty upset um, the night before. We had a guy come in and talk to us and sort of had, not had a go at me and Petro, but sort of said what New South Wales are saying about us. And I was pretty disappointed. Anyway, I rang mum and I said, what should I do? And she goes, well, what did you do when you were a kid? And I said, I just loved playing footy. And she goes, well, be that, that little nine-year-old kid again. So I went down to Brisbane Mall the next morning. I got my head shaved, level one, all over, like I did when I was a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. And I went out and had a ball. Yeah, so that, probably that game. Nice. Um, with your kids growing up in New Zealand, do they call them jandals or thongs? Um, I think depends on the company. Oh, Really? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, if they're New Zealand fun RM, then they'll call them Jandals. If they're Aussies, they'll call them Thongs. Oh, okay. Um, who was the biggest influence on your career? Oh, that's really hard. I'll, I'll probably say um, my mum would be the standout. Yep. Uh, mum. And then it'd be those coaches I said, Arthur Wrigley. Billy Pollard and um, Greg Platts, and then uh, Peter Moore and my wife. So I probably got six okay. who have had huge impacts at different times, but yep. unforgettable impacts. Yeah. Uh, and talking about the current game, what are your thoughts on the current six again rule? Um, I think it's okay in parts, but I still think the penalty needs to be given. Because teams are just willing to give an offside yep. 
and it's really one tackle, but the team that gets tackled can't build momentum from the offside. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a penalty, you're kicking out and they're actually attacking. Yep. And they're in good ball rather than still trying to get off their try line. Yeah. That's why Penrith are so dominant because yep. they're smart giving the penalty, well, the six to go away at the right time. And then once they get in a good ball, they, unless they, they, they can defend the try line, but they try not to give it away. I will say a quick thing. My biggest gripe in rugby league, the chain, the rule I want changed is the dropout from when you go for a penalty, kick a goal, and you kick it dead. Yep. The 22-metre drop, like dropout. There's yep. no other yep. part in our game where you get two bites at the cherry. Yeah. yeah. So you kick for touch and you don't kick it out. You don't get it wherever you think it's going to go out. No. Yeah. Right? So why can you take the option to go for two, and if you miss and it goes dead, you still get the ball back? Yeah. I, I don't. I've never understood that and I've brought it up at the rules to get changed and it's never been changed. And I, I still don't understand. It doesn't happen much in our game, but why do we have a rule where you can have two bites of the cherry? Um, one last question before we let you go, mate. Um, when are you going to apply for the role at the, as NRL CEO? No. <laughs> I've seen what I go through, man. That's a tough, tough job, mate. No, that's a tough, tough job. Like I saw David Gallup during that whole salary cap scenario, I, I spent a lot of time with David on phones and yep. and you sort of got a real appreciation of what their daily job is. Mm -hmm. And then I'm pretty good friends with Toddy Greenberg. So I regularly spoke with Toddy and he didn't have the bet, like he didn't have a, a smooth ride. No, no he he's, he's a really smart guy. Um, doesn't matter how smart you are, the politics can come and get you too. Um, and then, you know, uh, Mr. Abdo, you know, he's he's from a very different background. Um, yeah, no, mate, I'm looking to build. Um, <laughs> I've got my apprenticeship. I'm a I'm a go for it at the moment, and I'm hoping oh, to be yeah. a be a licensed builder at some stage. Smart man, mate. Before we let you go, I just want to read something out that I'm um, that. Uh, probably most of our viewers probably might not have heard before. And it's just when you were awarded the 2011 uh, member of New Zealand Order of Merit, uh, the, the citation that they uh, gave in response or in recognition of you. Um, and it pretty much sums it up. It says he began the role as captain following the club's worst ever season and helped rebuild it to become one of the league's best. He played a mentoring role to less experienced players. In 2006, he led the team with honesty and integrity while it was investigated by the National Rugby League over salary cap breaches. And in 2007, he was awarded Captain of the Year and Proper of the Year at the Dallium Awards. Mr. Price has been described as the most loved Australian in New Zealand sporting history. Mate, we just want to thank you for everything you did for Warriors footy, um, everything you've done for rugby league in general. Uh, as we said to you before we went live on air, mate, this has been an honour and a privilege. We're like two little kids when um, when you responded to our message to say you were going to come on. Uh, it's been an absolute blast for us to, to chat with you. And um, we have a saying here on Ruin Hammer that um, whoever's played for our club is forever and always. And uh, you, Steve Price, are forever and always Warrior 121. Oh, thank you, guys. And sorry to be 
a marathon, you're going to have to split up into seven different episodes. No, not at all. Not at no all. way. We said it's, to you, the floor's yours. You speak as much as you want. I, I just want to, yeah, I'm just sorry. I just want to echo those thoughts of, of Mark and say it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to talk to you. You, you change Warriors history forever. Um, you're forever etched in Warriors history and you're always in like the conversation of the greatest Warriors of all time. And Absolutely. we just thank you so much for your time and everything you've done for our club. Thank you, mate. No, it's, it's, uh, it's honestly, it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of that history and, and the family, the whanau. Um, and yeah, I'm just hoping to get over to New Zealand at some stage in the near future, just to be able to catch up with all the friends and, and, uh, and our families that we um, you know, obviously got to know pretty well over there. So with my one, two, one, there was actually a little bit of confusion when it first came out. I was given a different number. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. But then um, what happened was they realised because I was captain on that day that they had to switch it around. Yeah. Because yeah. so, we, we originally had you listed as one, two, one, three, two, three, and then I did a bit of research and found out that it's actually one, two, one. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad it's one, two, one, because I've got a tattoo with one, two, one on me. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing yeah. if it was one, two, three. <laughs> Mate, we, we'll um, – obviously, Rob lives up in Queensland and I, I live down in Sydney, even where – COVID restrictions easing. I'm hoping to get up for the game against the Broncos at um, Suncorp Stadium. I think it's round 23. Towards the end of the season, yeah. Any chance you might join us for a, uh, a catch-up at the Lord Alfred Hotel and then over to the game that weekend, mate? What what day is it? It's a Sunday. <sighs> Sunday, it's a Sunday yeah. game, yeah. Sunday game yeah, at... Yeah. Um, as long as it's not Thursday, I'll be working, mate. Yeah, mate, no drama. No, Sunday, yeah. <laughs> Sunday, TV game. We'll send you a message. Yeah. We'll get you over there. No, no worries. No, that'd be cool, man. That'd be good. Awesome. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. To that, mate, Perfect. thanks very much. Thank Joe for being so patient in the background there. Um, oh, she's asleep, mate. She's <laughs> sleeping night eyes. <laughs> thanks, yeah. Bryce. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks, guys. See you, man. Thanks See you, mate. very much. Cheers. Oh, fucking hell, eh? Mate, I get... I keep, I, I, I pinch myself sometimes that, you know, the 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 caliber of guest with the that we're able to get on to share with, you know, everyone and um and just how, uh, like we we went off script a little bit tonight too. We oh, yeah, Rob and I Rob and I normally have a, a lot of um questions that we have written down, but but we just let Pricey run with it and uh yeah it was um it was I just felt like yeah. I went on that whole journey with him. I know. You know, like it, it was unreal to to hear that every week we say it, but it's it rings true. It's the stories and the experiences of these players, stuff that we never knew about, that that just comes out, and that's what makes this so rewarding. You know, absolutely to, to hear that and to to bring that to the other like minded fans. We make no apology for the length of it because we no. would honestly sit here and and talk to these blokes all day, and I hope that everyone you know got something really awesome out of that. He's a much loved, as we say the most loved Australian in New Zealand. Absolutely. He, he's, he's a legend of the game. Yep. As he said, played 28 origins, played uh, all those games for Australia, played over yep. 300 games for um, two premierships for the Bulldogs. So man, he's been there and done it all. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. We do thank you all for sticking with us for yeah. three hours. Um, yeah. Three hours uh, well spent. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, we'll be back tomorrow night to, to do it all again, uh, obviously it won't go three hours tomorrow night. It's it, going to be it our won't, It won't, but we've got a, still got a lot to talk about. So. We do. We have a lot to talk about tomorrow night with uh, Warriors in Warrior World. 
Um, yeah. Never a dull. Well, hoping you'll join us in. We're not going to keep you any longer tonight. Uh, I drive. I drive from John Hunter Hospital back to Wentworthville on this podcast. Unreal boys. Thanks, Corey. Uh, thanks for for tuning in. Ciala no rants tomorrow. A lot thanks of rants everyone. tomorrow. There will be bro. plenty of rants tomorrow. Don't yeah. worry, mate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Jay Harris. Best three hours I have spent in a long time. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Um, and TK. TK still tuned in over there in New Zealand. TK. Oh, what an absolute what a legend. Yeah. We'll have to get Absolutely. TK on sometime. Yeah, we, we will. We'll definitely yeah. get TK on. Yeah. Well, mate. Um, wow. That's yeah. it for tonight. What a great episode. Uh, unreal. Unreal. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we'll do it all tomorrow night. I will see you then and see all you guys then as well. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Good night. Night all. <laughs>